After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, and here we are down in Boca Raton, Florida, part of the uh, 15th anniversary celebration of Nefesh Benefesh. As we are back in the place where it all began last night, we had an amazing gathering here at the uh, main synagogue of um, 
of uh, hundreds of people paying tribute to both Tony Gulbart and Rabbi Josh Vass in a uh, armchair conversation that I had the pleasure of moderating, and uh, we had the uh, the the pleasure of hearing, listening to the um, stories of the beginnings of the organization, the incredible journey that this organization Nefesh Benefesh has taken over the last 15 years. And we got an opportunity not only to reflect, but to celebrate uh, all the uh, accomplishments of Nefesh Benefesh. 50,000 Olim and a, a transformation, a big hand, the transformation of both the state of Israel and many North American communities when it comes to Zionism and Aliyah. I am uh, joined this morning by our wonderful Nahum Siegel Network team. And uh, some of the people that you uh, normally uh, see and hear about on JM and the AM, Miriam Alwalik is here. She'll join me in a moment. We'll talk about last night's event. I want to thank um, uh, Boca Raton Synagogue for their hospitality. Uh, this is al always one of the challenging aspects of doing early morning programming in a shul, is we're trying to be <laughs> as respectful and as uh, quiet as possible on uh, on one side of the ledger, while at the same time, uh, trying to uh, express the enthusiasm that we have being here and the enthusiasm that we have taking part in this entire project on the other side. Uh, so here we are on a Tuesday morning with many special guests upcoming and a, um, a wonderful lineup of people who are going to help us pay tribute to Nefesh Benefesh and discuss some of the news of the day in the context of uh, the State of Israel and North American Jury. Miriam L. Wallach, good morning to you. Welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. How are you? Baruch Hashem. By the way, we're on video. You can watch everything that's happening right now live. Uh, if you go to NachumSiegel.com, if you're on the homepage, you can see everything that's happening and um, take part in the program in that manner. Again, just go to NachumSiegel.com. You can watch everything that's going on as we speak and, of course, hear us on all of our different platforms. So we got here yesterday to Boca Raton. And uh, we wondered what it would be like um, participating with Nefesh Benefesh in this incredible celebration. And uh, I must say that uh, we got off to a very good start last night. We got off to a great start last night. It was really quite impressive, and it was a warm feeling in the room. And there, there wasn't a moment that the crowd was not engaged. The audience was with you and Rabbi Fass and with Tony Gilbert every step of the way. You know, every once in a while you pan the people behind you and to the side of you to just see, you know, what they're up to and make sure people aren't on their phones. Nobody was on their phones. <laughs> the only people who were on their phones were Jamie and I, and that's because we were tweeting. <laughs> there was there was so much going on in the room that there was no reason to divert your attention anywhere else. It's really a fascinating story, and while I'm sure members of the NBM te NBN team have heard a lot of those anecdotes, if not all of those anecdotes, before, and a lot of the behind-the-scenes before partially experiencing many of those of those anecdotes themselves, we had not been privy to it. And regardless of the number of times that you've been on the air with Rabbi Fass, there was still a whole different element of the relationship last night that was um, that was really quite fascinating. It's also important to note, by the way, that yes, we are being respectful and we're keeping our voices down a little bit. Sure, certainly should not come off that we are tempering our excitement for being here. But we should also note that we're not the only people here. It's oftentimes we show up to a location and for a good hour or so, 
you know, it's just us right. in the building. But Otherwise empty. Right. But when, um, when, when the executive director of the shul told me that, you know, he would op- make sure the doors were open for us. And I said, oh, so we'll be alone in the building. And he was like almost going to laugh because we're not alone in the building. And Minion starts at 625 here. And there are already people who are learning. And I'm sure Dafyomi's going on somewhere around here. And this, this, the, the, the fact that the Boca Raton Synagogue has music going outside of the front doors, what seems like 24 hours a day, is, um, is indicative of where we are. So we are certainly not alone and therefore trying to be respectful. It's a Dalif Nemi Ata Omeid kind of a moment. Well, yesterday when we spoke to Rabbi Goldberg on the air, we got this uh, uh, confirmation of what our impression had been that the Boca Raton Synagogue is really at the center of the community and is in control of so many things that go on, and I say that in the nicest way, so many things that go on programmatically and in terms of uh, religious observance and uh, reaching out to uh, individuals and families. Uh, they have a very, very prominent role in this community, to say the least, and as you indicated, it does seem like a 24-hour right. day operation, and sure enough, there are plenty of people in the building right now as we speak, and that number is just going to increase as the usual weekday activities uh, kick off and get underway. Some uh, of the, sorry, so I just wanted to mention that some of the moments last night during the armchair conversation, which I'm sure we will be replaying and we'll announce that replaying slot uh, later on. Some of the moments I found most interesting was, first of all, when you asked Tony and Rabbi Fast if there were moments that they didn't get along or if they always saw eye to eye. And, and they're like, no, we, we've always seen eye to eye. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, just like me and Nahum, we <laughs> always see eye to eye. We're always on the same page. It, 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 <laughs> I was it, like, it concerned oh. me, frankly. I know. <laughs> that, you know, are you sure? Are right. you sure you're really? not ever at conflict really? with each other? Right. And then I was uh, right. Then at, at one point, I was even expecting you to turn around and make some kind of face <laughs> like, shoot, what does that mean for us? But um, I even thought it, I, I even th- I'm limited in what I ask about in advance, as you know, as right. most of the audience knows at this point. But I thought in the back of my mind that when we were preparing the questions and uh, and and speaking about some of the topics that would come up last night, that we actually had touched upon the fact that there were a couple of rocky moments that there were, you know. But I don't know publicly they didn't acknowledge it, and, and we have no reason not to believe right, them, sure. obviously. Um, so, I mean, that, and that, that is a, a level of maturity, a level of... Um, Are you saying we're very <laughs> immature? <laughs> a, le- a level of commitment. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's funny to me, maybe again because of my personality, it's funny to me that you could be this passionate about a cause and, and yet work side by side with somebody and, and never, you know, again, run into right, any heads. type of disagreement. So. That the call of to them. Look, that's a, that's a a wonderful byproduct of the whole thing. You yeah, know, for so. sure. But of course, it's you know then making me paranoid. Well, right there you go. I have a I have a <laughs> feeling they have a very very unique working relationship. So right. What can I right. Tell you? So I guess you and I are probably more of the norm. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what I would suspect. I would hope. Um. So that was to me was a very interesting moment. And also when Rabbi Fass alluded to or you alluded to how many different nations are represented oh. by um in the group of Chayalim Bodedim that are under the NBN umbrella, and you—I think the number was 64, right? Yeah, and I'm pulling up the list. I cannot. No, I know. I can't get into this conversation without this list in front of me. I'm so okay. excited about it. But we can get into it. Oh, right? 100%. Oh, okay, I'm good. so excited. I didn't know if about you were going to say no. I really want to talk about by fasting about it. I think it's a—it's a topic that we could just, you know, bring up constantly, not just through this morning, but uh, 
here it is. Right. This, well, this first of all, let's just let's just point out for a second that if you're ever looking for proof of kibbutz goliot yeah. in Israel, this is it. The fact that there are 64 different countries that are represented in the IDF. Well, just that day, I think, right? Just from that oh, day. Oh, from the Yom Sidurim. Right. right. Just, from just the Yom Sidurim. The, the logistics day that they took care of for these soldiers. But listen to some of this. You know, I made the point last night, and it's funny, I used Ecuador as the example, and I said that. Yeah, why? Because I had remembered it was on the list, oh, and, okay. I, and I said there's not just one from Ecuador, but there's three or four, and of course, right. I look at the list now, there really is just one from Ecuador. Oh. But, to make my, <laughs> but to make my point, and to, and to make it a strong point, Argentina has 33. Wow. That's a lot. Belgium has 18. Georgia has 15. Not the Georgia, state. No, talking yes. about the country of Georgia. I know, but Georgia has 15. And when you think about it, you know, I mentioned that there are certain schools in the New York, New Jersey area that are sending, right. I don't know, 10, 15. Mm -hmm. But Georgia, the country of Georgia has, has 15. Uh, India has six. Wow. And, <laughs> and Italy has 14. And and no joke, Iran has three. That's unbelievable. Iran and, beats Ecuador. Yeah, yeah that, that is pretty funny. <laughs> Latvia has four, and obviously I'm doing this, uh, you know, completely randomly. It's unreal. But Kazakhstan has 39. Kazakhstan yeah. has 39. And Thailand has four. And Tunisia is represented with one. So you, you have this list of lone soldiers that Nefesh Nefesh dealt with just that day. Right. Um, in, in this logistics day that they coordinated that we spoke about. And it really is remarkable. And, um, and, and, I, and I finally understood toward the end of the evening uh, the point that was being made about the Nefesh B'Nefesh's role with the lone soldiers. They, they are not, in fact, bringing these soldiers from their countries to Israel. But once they are in Israel, they are sort of right. responsible for them and helping to take care of them. And that's why the numbers of soldiers are in the thousands that are under the Nefesh B'Nefesh umbrella. One other point that was made that I thought was so important, and it, it's so simple, and yet... Why I never thought of it, I don't know. Uh, we keep using the number fifty thousand Olim, fifteen right. years, fifty thousand oh, Olim. Kids, and, uh, and, and then and right. then I, I don't remember who it was. If it was Tony or Rabbi Tony Fass. referred to Rabbi Fass, yeah. But they're they're talking about an extra fifteen thousand people because right. the, the kids, have, kids that have been born since then and the families have expanded uh, quite obviously. And I'm saying to myself, why did that not ever hit me? And it would only be fair. You know, we always talk about metrics. We always talk about numbers right. and we, we talk about ratings and, and, you know, audience size, et cetera, et cetera. And we always, and we always go ahead and, uh, and, and, and put all the numbers together from the different sources that we have. And we say, you know, we can't forget this group. We can't forget that group. You know, they really shouldn't say 50,000. They should be saying 65,000 right. at this point. It could it be 65,002 by the time this conversation's <laughs> over. Exactly. It's only fair. Right. It's only fair. So those are a couple of the things I learned last night that I had not known no, before or thought of before. That was great. And yeah, it didn't, it didn't occur to me either. And if, you, and if you wonder if after all this time, and I take great pride in the fact that we're working with Nefesh Benefesh for so many years, and if, you, and if you think that at this point we have exhausted all topics of conversation, oh, it's, it's it. remarkable to me that every time something is revealed that is completely new to us and therefore certainly completely new to the audience. We're here in Florida. We are at the Boca Raton Synagogue. We'll go to a little bit of a musical break and uh, then continue with more. Yes. Well, one more thing. I yes. also wanted to mention that when Tony was sharing the story about the flight that landed during Tsuketan, right. and we were there, and that Seva Dome, that alert came out, and we were there for that. But what re was most remarkable to me about that entire experience was in JFK when they had their send-off. And obviously... It's exceedingly tense in the airport. You have all of these families who are sending off loved ones, who are, getting, who are making Aliyah and, and living the dream, fulfilling their dream, and clearly under 
very, very stressful circumstances. And who gets up to speak but Ido Aharoni. Right. And do you remember what he said? Remind me, please. Ido Aharoni talked about the fact that his... Um, now I can't, uh, now I can't remember. Yom Kippur War? Sorry? Yes, right. that it was his parents. Right, who went to, during the Yom Kippur whose War. His parents Correct. made Aliyah during the Yom Kippur War. Right. And that it was the Yom Kippur War that's, I'm going to use the word, inspired them, but pushed them to make Aliyah. And so he looked at these Olim and said, I, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. This is it. This you're is, going during the war. You're going during the war. And, and almost like, you know, he... He was literally, you want somebody to be empathetic? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that you've brought this up, I have to tell you two other things. Okay. Because uh, I have to remind our listeners that our very own Mayor Weingarten and his family right. left Matsayam Kipper from the United States, Israel, not to move there, but to support the cause right. and do whatever possible, which we continue to encourage during difficult times, certainly. And, uh, and I don't know if you remember a gentleman who I just saw recently at a wedding in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I've not seen him for years. I don't know if you remember, there was somebody we met over Pesach um, a few years back who, um, who, oh, and now, of course, his name escaped me for a second. Um, anyway, he had told us the story that on Yom Kippur itself, and I'm not here to judge, I'm just telling you the facts. Okay. On Yom Kippur itself, as the news uh, was finally getting, I mean, obviously it was much earlier in the day. I remember as a kid, it was much earlier in the day here when the news uh, occurred that the Yom Kippur War had begun. Uh, by 10 o'clock in the morning, the entire shul was talking about it. And um, he and a group of people on Yom Kippur in Borough Park, Brooklyn, went ahead and Ullman, his last name, we called him Mar Ullman. His last name was okay. Ullman. They, they went ahead, left notes for their parents where they were going and went straight to the airport <gasps> to travel to Israel and rejoin the army where they had been before now again, I'm not wow. here. To, I'm not here to judge. But when he tells the story, you you don't even. I hate to say it like this. <laughs> you don't even. That you, part doesn't process. You don't even feel bad for the fact that that they went ahead and did this in Yom Kippur. They felt that just like in Israel, right. obviously, right. The, my brother who was in Israel during the Yom Kippur War, my late brother, he always says, I knew it was serious when I saw, saw Hasidim get into a car before Neila. Wow. That's, that's how I knew you know, guys in their talasim are getting into cars. Right. And that's how I knew it was really a war. So, they f- so there were people on this side of the world who felt the same way. It's hmm. Yom Kippur, but we have no choice. We have no choice. We have to go. And you know that whole attitude, which of course we saw around the time, that we saw, but that Jewish history saw around the time of Hakamat Medina, people running to Israel, to Palestine at the time, fight the war, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, uh, wow. uh, you know, so many other times since then, since you mentioned that, I had to bring that up. Uh, okay, we're off to a really good start. <laughs> We've covered more. <laughs> yeah, those of you, those of you who are looking for inspiration this morning, you've come to you've the, come right, to the place. right place. And <laughs> as the, the sun comes up here in Boca <laughs> and the shul becomes more and more packed, we will um, and the Yarche College takes place here. The Yeshiva University Yarche College takes oh, right. place. We will um, feel a little bit more comfortable raising our voices once there's other there's other ancillary noise here. Until then, we're just gonna. Sort of stay here. No question quietly. about it. And, and in just a couple of minutes, we're expecting a very important phone call coming up yeah, here no at, joke. At, uh, at JMNAM. In fact, I'm going to wait and see if uh, Miriam Wallach can, can set up that call this moment. If she can, then we're going to go directly to this caller. And we're going to um, uh, speak with the first of many distinguished guests who are going to be with us this morning as we celebrate the 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh, where it all began here at Boca Raton Synagogue. In, uh, in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, and again, my thanks to uh, Rabbi Goldberg and uh, everybody here 
um, Matthew and all those who have been so helpful in terms of setting things up and helping us here at JM in the AM. All right, a little break or? Yeah, let's do a break. We'll do and a then break. I'm going to update us. I'm going to prepare for your mind to be blown. That's all right. All to say. That's a good way to start the morning. Absolutely. Benny Friedman's on. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Benny Friedman with some great musical selections on an early Tuesday morning here at JM in the AM. We're at Boca Raton Synagogue where the weather's a drop different than in our home base of New York City. Um, it's funny, someone said to me last night, yeah, but it's been so warm in New York. I said, yeah, but it hasn't been this warm in New York. <laughs> right, yeah. it's also not humid in New York Yeah, and this is February. Uh, this is really welcome, frankly. Anyway, um, here we are as we celebrate 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. A wonderful celebration that really kicked off in earnest last evening with the uh, conversation we had with both Tony Gelbart and Rabbi Fass, the um, founders, the co-founders of Nefesh Benefesh. And this has been a uh, a wonderful and incredible journey for us, having a very, very, very small part in, in the last 15 years, a very small part in the last 15 years um, in terms of the... Uh, in terms of the promotion of, uh, you need to put yours on speaker. In terms of the promotion of Nefesh Benefesh. And I'm told that Natan Sharansky is going to be joining us. Um, who better to speak about Aliyah and the dream of getting to Israel than he? Natan Sharansky? Uh, yes, shalom, shalom, and welcome to JM and the AM. Off speaker? Uh, we are told that today is a significant anniversary for you. We're told that 31 years ago today, uh, you left prison, and the dream of uh, your own Aliyah has taken place. Had taken place at that time. How does one commemorate such an auspicious day? Well, first of all, it's a very special day, and because it happened on the 11th of February, on the uh, and at the same time, it happened on the Beit Adar, 
It is an incredible story. It does, it does deserve a two-week celebration. And those of us who grew up um, uh, wa- watching, watching what was going on uh, uh, in those days and taking to the streets and chanting your name and begging the U.S. government and others to, to know about and to act on your case, uh, even we fail, feel a small part of the celebration today. Um, before we speak about Nefesh Benefesh, which I know is very dear to you, uh, we are coming up on the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. You've indicated on many occasions that not only for you, but for so many thousands of Soviet Jews, especially the Refuseniks, the Six-Day War was a very significant uh, turning point in their, um, in, in their eventual love for Israel and their desire to move to Israel. Can you reflect back 50 years ago and tell us what effect that episode in Jewish history had on Russian jury? No doubt. That was a, a very important event. Turning, it really turned us over. They, they were absolutely assimilated Jews. We knew practically nothing about our tradition, about our history, uh, about our language, about our religion, uh, and almost nothing about Israel. And then when Six-Day War happened, and the anger of Soviet Union was beyond all imagination, and condemnations of, uh, of Israel were very strong. But suddenly you see how everybody, everybody near you, your enemies and your friends, they connect you to Israel, and they congratulate you, and they say how your army is fighting, and you start thinking, why, why uh, they connected? And that's when we started learning in the underground from the books which were brought by American Jews as tourists, we started learning about ourselves. So, and that's what changed our life. And that's when you discover that you have a country and people and history that you want to be uh, part of it. So, as I always said, uh, when Jerusalem was reunited, we were reunited with our people. So, it, it is a very important day for, for, for our lives, for our struggle, and for implementation of our dreams. We spoke about your celebration today. We uh, spoke about the 50th anniversary, and I'm sure we'll have an opportunity, Bezrat Hashem, to celebrate together with you in May when we're there in Israel for the big celebration. Today, as you know, we are celebrating 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh, the incredible 50,000 number of Olim that they have brought to Israel from North America in the last 15 years. I just saw two photographs. I saw a photograph uh, from 13 years ago when uh, you and Rabbi Fast were with a group of babies who had just been born in the 
first year of the Olim effort with Nefesh Nefesh, and then another photograph of that reunion 13 years later of all the children from that same photograph who were with you together. So you've seen Nefesh Nefesh from the very beginning, and we know your attitude yeah. uh, toward Aliyah. What are your feelings today as they celebrate this auspicious well, occasion? Well, I, have to, I have to say, as in every important struggle, the, the, uh, what is important is how to connect the establishment, the organized jury or, or uh, government officials, and grassroots. That was the secret of the success of the struggle for the jury. On the when uh, organized jury with all its power, with all its influence, and so on, was uh, inspired and led by grassroots, by students. Uh, then it became so powerful. The same here. It is true that the state of Israel was, uh, was, is doing a lot of effort uh, to come to those who want to make Aliyah, to promote Aliyah. Uh, but, uh, for example, America was a good example how it is very difficult for official representatives of the state of Israel to, to legitimize uh, the word Aliyah, to make it powerful, to make it influential. And here came grassroots organization, and everything was all uh, enthusiasm, and at the same time it was all the American Jewish mentality. And when they were speaking about importance of Aliyah, it uh, made a very different effect. And that's why I, from the very first day, being then part of Israeli government, from the very first flight, I mean, before the first flight, supported the idea, the initiative. And now that I'm... Uh, Already many years ahead of Jewish agency, um, uh, uh, saying that we don't have any better ally in, our, in uh, supporting our efforts or in gathering exiles in America, the methods the efforts, and they have to say that they are, uh, they are creating very special atmosphere of community for potential new immigrants, and that they're coming here uh, to Israel. And they're very Well, I know your support is tremendously appreciated, and uh, to have your endorsement is something I'm sure they treasure. Thank you for joining us. Mazal Tov again to you, and we should continue together every time we meet to talk more and more about the uh, Aliyah that's going on from North America and other places to Israel. Yes, yes. thank you, thank you. The process of gathering of Israel continues from Eastern Europe, from Eastern Europe, from Latin America, and from the United States of America. We we welcome everybody here in our home in Jerusalem. Amen. Thank you very, very much. Mazal tov again. Natan Sharetsky, the legendary Natan Sharetsky, with words on a few auspicious occasions. Uh, one, the anniversary of his... Uh, <laughs> one, the anniversary of his uh, being released from prison, a day in 1986 that so many of us remember as he crossed the bridge and symbolically, uh, uh, not symbolically, actually and practically uh, began his life in Israel. You may recall that he refused to leave. Uh, at the last moment, he refused to leave without being handed back the Tehillim that he had gone to prison with, and he refused to, to go ahead with the quote-unquote prisoner exchange. I think you wow. could debate whether it actually was an exchange, but to go ahead with it, uh, and cross that bridge until he was handed it, which is amazing. Symbolically, obviously, it's incredible. And, and uh, then the, we celebrated the, um, or mentioned, the upcoming celebration of the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. He, again, as he's done on this show before, spoken about uh, he spoke about the Six-Day War and how important that was 
uh, in the Soviet Union at the time, and uh, I'm sure in other parts of the world as well, even for us, uh, in terms of its significance in modern Jewish history and what kind of a boost of Zionism it gave uh, the community of um, Russian Jews at the time. And then, of course, uh, this incredible celebration, the 15th anniversary of Nefesh B'Nefesh. I like how he, uh, how he went ahead and, um, and, uh, and made sure to mention all the other areas of the world mm. that he anticipates bringing, or I should say, um, welcoming right. Olim from. Uh, because sometimes we are so focused... Uh, on North America and wondering, you know, how we can increase things from here. And we forget that there's so many other parts of the world that are participating in this whole process. And I'm sure he gets extra, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of pleasure from greeting people from everywhere around the globe. So my thanks to Natan Sharansky. He has been with us before speaking about Nefesh B'Nefesh and uh, their incredible work. And today was extra special, especially on that anniversary. We've had him twice um, join us on the air from Ben Gurion. Right. Do you remember the first time? I certainly do. Yes, when I. When you made sure to. Uh, get his attention. <laughs> made sure to get his attention. <laughs> right. And that, you know, it's funny. People <laughs> ask. People ask about the backstory when it comes to radio and things. I, I, I was careful to get to his to get to everything I wanted to get to with him quickly. Because our experience with him has always yes. been that he has very limited very time. Very limited and time. I was sh- and I was shocked. And he's always gracious. Oh, yeah, yeah but yeah. he's always busy. And I was shocked toward the end of this conversation that it seemed to me like he had he had even more time to spend with us. And maybe you know I should have thought of something else to bring up with him. But um, No, but all our time with him is so valuable. That's and, for sure. and forget, I mean, obviously, we don't have the experience as Olim for, of, the, of landing and then being greeted by... by the entire tech the entire celebration. We're just there as spectators, so to speak. Right. Um, <clears throat> but the poignancy of being an Ole and being greeted on the ground by Natan Sharansky can't be lost on anyone who's experiencing it. Certainly as spectators, it's not lost on us. Right, but then I'm thinking to myself, you know, there are people watching us right now around the world, people listening right now around the world, who may, it's possible, as hard as this, for us, is, as this is for us to believe, who may not have heard of him, who may not know who Nathan Sharetsky is. But their parents have. Right. And, right. and when, when, these, oh, when the Olim come to Israel, they're people of a certain generation, certainly ours, who have the most incredible appreciation that he is there. And, right. that, sure. and they can't believe it. I mean, this is, you know, it, I'm sure it's surreal for many of them. But then the young kids, you know, it's, it's funny. They don't understand the dynamic. They don't get the, or appreciate the... Uh, the enormity. Um, enormity, thank you. But that goes back to what Rabbi Fass was saying last night about mm. one of his favorite anecdotes uh, was of a 90-year-old Holocaust survivor making Aliyah who happened to be sitting next to a 9-year-old girl as they were both sitting in business class because the 9-year-old girl's father had broken his leg and right. the family had to be moved to business. And the, the juxtaposition of this 90-year-old woman who has seen horrors none of us should ever, ever be able to imagine. She has seen them firsthand next to a nine-year-old who with complete innocence has no idea what this woman has gone through. So their experience of landing in Israel, and they, and he said they came off the plane together holding hands and they built this relationship <laughs> on the plane and sharing experiences together. But they're clearly the juxtaposition of those two individuals, both Olim, or in this case, I guess Olot, in their own right, right. were, were clear, clearly experiencing it from completely different angles, but yet 
you know, appropriate for them. So to see, speak. now now I have to be careful because you're you're getting me on a roll here of different I things, apologize. and I don't want to lose focus on, <laughs> on what we're supposed to be doing here. But but I said to Rabbi Fast last night, we had a, a a private conversation after the event was over, and he asked me what my thoughts were, and I said, you know, human beings, even even Jewish people, who you would think would be more so, and you'll know what I mean in a minute. Human beings do not relate to others, other life experiences. That's something I think that we need to, to acknowledge. And what I meant by that was that how often do we say, oh, if our grandparents or great-grandparents had this opportunity, you know, they would jump in a minute. They wouldn't understand the fact that we're not right. you know, jumping to do things like this. And, and, and how many of those ancestors of ours, you know, walked through deserts or, you know, went over rivers or, you know, in order to actually try to get to the Holy Land. And that, and those things are just, you know, like we mentioned, the little kid who's with the Holocaust survivor. Those are things that don't really seep in enough to, you know, to create this atmosphere where we want to go ahead and, and act on, on, you know, the way we should or, or, or do what we need to do. Um, and I think that's really important. I think it's important to keep that in mind because as we battle with ourselves and with others to present Aliyah in the most positive fashion possible and as a real alternative and an easy alternative or easier alternative than it used to be. We have to remember that people, you know, that, 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 that the history, that everything, that, the entire package that we come with is not always going to be what's going to hmm. force them or move them right. to make a move like that or force us, I should say. I remember being in the fifth grade when Natan Sharansky was released and making an oak tag of different newspaper clippings that I then brought into school and they hung up in the lobby of the school. And I remember vividly having this epiphany as a 10-year-old that I was watching something historic happen. And I was never old enough to realize something like that beforehand. But for some reason or another, that moment hit me. And we weren't a family that went once, you know, once a year to the UN. We weren't, I did it once, I did it twice, I did it with my siblings, but it wasn't... Solidarity Sunday. Right, but it wasn't a concerted effort on behalf of the Mann family to do. So, but, but nevertheless, somehow or another, it struck me that that we needed that this was something I was living, yeah. and that is <laughs> remarkable remi- to me. You remind me of two things. The first is when <laughs> when Yosef Mendelevich was in my studio, I had the nerve to say to him, "Do you know that I <laughs> that I almost got frostbite one night when I was?" It's out. really about me. <laughs> exactly. Your struggle. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. you're Yosef trying to say. Mendel- your struggle Mendel- is Yosef really about me. <laughs> is telling stories <laughs> of of you know of trudging through the snow in the prison camp because somebody somewhere had a pair of filler that he was trying to right. you know, to get secretly. And you spent a half an hour outside, <laughs> exactly. and your fingertips were cold. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. And I'm and I'm there. <laughs> Hanukkah right. at the Russian mission in two degree weather, you know, wonder, wondering if I'll be able to feel anything later on. Right. And, and, and look, you're fine. <laughs> and I'm telling him right. this, which I think is hilarious. Talk, Did talk he about, think it was funny? Yes. Oh, good. Thank talk God. About oh, not, okay. Talk about not relating to other people's experiences. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is, <laughs> and, and here's how naive I was in those days in terms of how the Jewish community works. Somebody calls me and says, um, we are willing to go and pick up Sharansky from the airport when he's coming to the United States. He came okay. to the United States almost immediately after he went to Israel because, you know, he had to come thank everybody, the whole thing. Yeah, he began his world tour. Right. right. So, so <laughs> sure enough, I make some calls, and they're like, you know, you, you don't have to worry. He's going to be taken care of. You don't have to worry about him being picked up or all this. Okay. So I say, you know Can what? we get him do? a ride? This is 1986. I'm in my early 20s, and I'm doing the show, and I said, well, we have to have a representative at the airport to at least report on the arrival of Sharansky. 
So sure enough, I send somebody who you know to the airport. They call in. There were no cell phones. So right. they're, they're on a pay phone, pay phone. In, the, in the terminal. Dropping us, Simona. <laughs> well, no. It, <laughs> I'm, kidding. Right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A pay phone to JFK. Yeah. And he's giving me this report. And any minute now, he should be out. And there's 15 schools here. They're all dancing, which was, the, which was true. Right. There were schools early in the morning. Uh, you know, who, who were uh, during the show early in the morning, uh, who were dancing and getting ready and singing songs. It was a band, the whole thing. And he's on the payphone, and you know, we have this vision that he'll be able to pull Natan Sharetsky, you know, at that time Anatoly Sharetsky, you know, from the crowd, right. get him on the air, the whole thing. And it turns out, and I, there's got to be a tape of this somewhere. There has to be a tape of it somewhere. It turns out that at the moment that he actually walks out, where it's obvious from the crowd that's around him that he's now walking from the, you know, the, the baggage claim mm-hmm. area toward the exit. He had to get his own bag. <laughs> toward the exit of the airport. <laughs> so this gentleman who's doing this report, thankfully, says something like, here he is, he's finally here, and Sharetsky's and I, the reality was that he was whisked away so fast <laughs> and so quickly that there, there was never even a chance that the guy I had there would even would have, have been seen able to, oh, Forget about getting him out the back there. of his he, head. He, he just assumed, okay, I see the crowd moving that way. I assume he's out. Let's, let, let's celebrate. Right. So that was the adjustment he made on That's the air. That's funny. But this is it, 31 years, well, a little bit less than 31 years because that was his visit to the United States. And I remember it being quite a significant morning, that's for sure. And yes, I'm old enough to say that I was actually on the air 31 years ago doing that. I need the plug from the... Uh, that's where is that plug, ZK? Did I lose no, it? There we go. Yes. What do you want to say about that story? No, I, I was noting the, the age markers, yeah. but I, I was gl- glancing over it. It is a... I didn't uh, bring it up. It's a long time ago. And thank God, it was, it was a significant moment in uh, modern Jewish history, to say the least. And if you've never read the book by Natan Sharansky, you should read it because you will see uh, what it's like to, uh, to persevere in the face of the enemy. Um, more coming up. It's JM in the AM. And this more is, coming up. We've got a lot going we on. We've got a lot going on. Yeah. This was a great hour already. People who... Uh, this, I'm going to hold on. I'm, I'm putting up this post-it note in the studio <laughs> because you're doing an interview with Natan Sharansky and you're being all serious and I'm doing this in the camera. Yeah. And it says, Natan Sharansky is on my Sharansky phone. It says, Natan is on my phone. And then you referenced, by the way, these two pictures. Yeah, isn't that cool? This is pretty incredible. I also held it up to the camera. Yeah, that's pretty cool. These two side-by-side, or one on top of the other pictures that you referenced. These also are the babies born the first year of Nefesh Nefesh in Israel. Right. And then 13 years later, they reunited with Natan Sharansky and Rabbi Fast, And that's what they looked like. And you notice some of the moms were not lifting their kids in the second picture. Some were. Some were actually. But others were like, no, I can't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> the it's, kids uh, are big and they're, uh, they're ready for life It's in quite incredible. Uh, I want to thank Mayor Kruder, who is here from Kruder Photography. Some of you may wonder. Does he leave New Jersey and New York to work in other places? Well, you may recall he was with us in Venice. Right. He's with us in Florida. I, Those GoPros go. They do, huh? Yeah. Those GoPros attach to everything. And he's here this morning in Boca. I, I, I think, frankly, in this case, he got the better part of the deal because look at it, 81 degree weather. I mean, come on. We took him away. He's still from, wearing two sweatshirts. We took him away from the freezing cold of New York. Cruder.com, uh, ZK. I believe it's Cruder.com. You're anxious to find a good photographer? Go to the web at Cruder.com. And you'll find one of the best. And, uh, and ZK is not so awake right now. I want to thank our chief engineer, ZK, who worked how many hours total yesterday? Uh, a lot. I don't want to look at the timesheet, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> it was a total of many, many hours. <laughs> he did not end until he actually set up for this morning's show, right. which must have been about 10, 11 o'clock at night. So thank you, ZK, for your dedication. If you're wondering who's taking care of all of our posting this morning, it's Jamie Turkel, uh, who's... Um, 
tweeting and uh, Facebooking. Is that a verb? Uh, it is now. Okay. And now, if you're uh, and if you're wondering who's taking care of all the behind-the-scenes stuff here for us, that would be Wheel of Fortune phenom Yoni Pollock. Who's that minion? Who is now at He's Minion. that behind the scenes right now. We figured someone's got to go to Minion. Right, somebody's got to go to Shul. He went to Minion. All right, more if coming up. we're in the Shul, yeah, somebody should well. go to Shul. Right. Here we are coming up. This is uh, JM in the AM, and, um, and Rabbi Goldberg of the Boca Raton Synagogue is going to join us at the beginning of the 7 o'clock hour, and plenty more coming up as we celebrate 15 years of Nefesh Nefesh on the special Tuesday morning at JM in the AM. <laughs>
JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, who you'll recall, was with us yesterday in advance of our trip. If in Jewish tradition we believe that there's no uh, comparison between hearing and seeing something, then in fact uh, this would be a good example for me, because yesterday you're telling us rightfully so, about the role of this synagogue in terms of the community here in Boca, how it's central to the, uh, entire, uh, to the entire community. And then I come down here after hearing what you've said, and just in a few hours I could tell that you are 100% accurate, Rabbi Goldberg. Good morning, and thanks for welcoming us here Good to morning. your synagogue. Great to have you here. Thanks for being here. And welcome to JM in the AM. So here it is. It's a, uh, a hub of activity, to, you know, as an understatement, a hub of activity for the Jewish community down here in Florida. Uh, has a rich history, of course, and you've seen during your tenure over the last few years, I'm sure, tremendous growth. And uh, it's a, you know, it's um, it almost feels like a 24-hour operation here. Does it sometimes feel that way to you? Sometimes <laughs> does. There's a lot going on all the time on the campus, and and we're proud of that. We want people to be drawn for their learning and davening, which is the primary purpose of any shul. But beyond that, socially, activism, love of the Jewish people, even just to, to connect with other people, to be drawn to our campus. And thank God. There are so many synagogues in the, uh, certainly in the United States, I'm sure in other parts of the world, um, that, uh, that, that spawn other synagogues where people will take their group and, and, you know, and, uh, and create other places for their specific uh, nusach right. or their specific community, whatever right. it may be. You, and I think we could cite a couple others in North America, have been able, as you, as you pointed out yesterday, to keep all of this relatively under one roof. I know that's important to you, and it must ha give a tremendous boost to the community in general, knowing it's all happening in one place. It does. I, I think people crave wanting to be part of something bigger than themselves. There's a lot of research that shows that um, as connected as people are online, in fact, the more connected they are online, the more friends they have on Facebook or followers they have on Twitter, the more they exist in the online community, the lonelier they are in real life. And I think people crave wow. interpersonal human connection, and community provides that. So shtibbles are wonderful, little breakaway minyanims serve their purposes, but even that can't create that sense of community and tapping into something bigger than yourself. So to be able to have the diversity, be under one roof, and be connecting to something bigger than yourself, I think is something elevating, uplifting, and enriching for everyone, and something we all naturally crave. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg is here. He has been quite complimentary of what we've been able to do on the air, and we in turn are quite complimentary of what he has been doing here at Boca Raton Synagogue and for the community in general. Uh, you know that this all came together because of the uh, big number 15 that's right behind us, which is the 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh. Uh, how, does, how does it feel being in the place where it was all founded, where Tony Gelbart and Rabbi Fass hatched this idea and that says led to tens of thousands of Olim to Israel? It's an honor and a privilege. What they've done is uh, beyond incredible. We, the Jewish people all over the world, are indebted to them for making Aliyah easier, more efficient, um, inspiring people to be struggling with it, which is something we should all be doing. Um, it's ironic and somewhat guilt-ridden to be having this conversation <laughs> and celebrating celebration from here, but I don't think it's a, it's a contradiction. We can celebrate what's happening and be struggling ourselves with doing it and have admiration for those who have. I have um, my two siblings, my brother Judah and his family, my sister Daniela and her family live in Israel, my sister-in-law Rachel and her family live in Israel, and we could not be more proud of them. And, uh, you know, there are people in the community who, when their children go to Israel for the year, they're concerned, they're nervous to get that phone call. Right. I think I want to stay. For me, that would be a dream phone call. So um, we're incredibly proud of what Rabbi Fass and Tony have done. They're heroes of the Jewish people. 
And uh, it's exciting to be the place where this dream was hatched and where it was born, and it's the place where it continues to be supported. Well, it is a remarkable community by reputation. I, I was thinking back yesterday to the, when we were speaking on the phone yesterday morning, I was saying to myself, I remember a time when people wanted to point to the growing Jewish communities of the United States. And I think at that time, it was either Phoenix at Boca or Vegas at Boca, but Vegas, you're, you're, Vegas it was Vegas at Boca, Boca right? right. So, but your community was... If you would have bet on Vegas, you would have lost. <laughs> but you, that's true, by the way. No offense to the people. Right, you're 100% right. But, you're, uh, but, th but this community was always in the conversation. It's amazing that it continues to be near the top of the conversation. Thank so God. Our biggest challenge is a lack of housing. The shul is really saturated, and the whole area around us, it's really difficult to find housing. Um, so We've got to bring in some builders. We've got to bring in some builders <laughs> and build different layers and levels of housing here. But we actually we have a satellite shul, BRS West, right. which is about five miles west of us. It's led by Rabbi Rael Blumenthal, phenomenal young rabbi. And uh, the members there are full members of our shul. They participate here in the youth program programming adult ed, all the activities during the week. And on Shabbos, they have their own satellite to the west of us. So, you know, our goal is, is not just to geographically serve the people near us on Montoya Circle, but again, that sense of community and the values and vision we have to try to promote it even more widely beyond just our circle. Well, thank you for having us. And we're going to enjoy our stay here for the next day or two. Please do. It's an honor and a privilege. I hope you'll get outside and get some of the sunshine oh, and palm me. trees. I've been gravitating toward the outdoors, trust me. And I don't normally do that in New York. And Nachum, I want to thank you for all that you do because you're a voice of the Jewish people. You are a Kiddush Hashem constantly sanctifying God's name and drawing people closer. And we listen to you, and we uh, are enriched by you around the world, not only in the New York area. So thanks for all that you and your team do. Greatest feeling. Last night, I'm coming out of Mincha Marv, and one of your members says, is this you, pointing to the app on his phone. And that was really cool. Wow, so, fantastic. <laughs> thank God. Thanks for being here. I Enjoy appreciate that. Thank you very much. Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, everybody. He's the spiritual leader of Boca Raton Synagogue, of course, as we celebrate down here with JM in the AM. Uh, plenty more coming up. We are going to uh, be joined in a couple of minutes by um, individuals who are on the first flight. Could you imagine there was a first flight uh, years ago? Say it again. Oh, she's in this picture. Batsheva Fass um, and, of course, Rabbi Fass are in this photograph that we keep talking about, the photograph of the family celebrating the births of uh, babies the very first year of the uh, Nefesh Benefesh organization. And they reunited in this uh, second photograph with Natan Sharansky to again be together and, uh, and note the occasion. Uh, so she's scheduled to join us, as is uh, another one of the first Olim with Nefesh Benefesh from uh, years ago. And we'll do that coming up here at JM in the AM. Um, we are going to try to get this hour to our Yeshiva League sports update. I want to thank... Uh, I want to thank Elliot Weiselberg for working very hard to get together all the information regarding the regarding the uh, playoffs in both basketball and hockey. And uh, Rabbi Goldwasser, of course, coming up in plenty more. You're listening to a Tuesday morning edition of JMDM from Boca Raton Synagogue in Florida. This is Avram Freed. <laughs> Hallo, 
JM in the AM with Yehuda Green. We're doing some uh, celebratory selections this morning at JM in the AM. Uh, because we're celebrating, after all. It is the 15-year uh, anniversary of Nefesh B'Nefesh, and we have this uh, incredible and uh, amazing um, uh, program for you as uh, we broadcast from Boca Raton Synagogue, where it all began 15 years ago. And I am told that the Laura Ben David is with us live via telephone. Many things, I'm sure, distinguish Laura Ben David. Uh, but for us, primary among them this morning is the fact that she was on the very first Nefesh Benefesh Olim flight to Israel. Laura, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great to be here. All right. Give me the inside word. Did you think there'd be a second flight? Yes or no? I did think there would be a second flight. I did not think it was going to uh, get to the epic proportions that it did. It is pretty amazing, and the numbers are incredible, and obviously with great regularity over the last 15 years, Nefesh Benefesh has, do- has doing what you experienced, which was a full charter flight heading to the Holy Land. Uh, what do you remember? I mean, I, I know that uh, I mean, we've experienced it as observers, and, uh, and I'm sure that anybody we would ask about any of the flights would tell us about the enthusiasm and the spirit on it, but I would think the first one was unique. What do you remember in terms of the enthusiasm and spirit of that first flight? Oh, yeah, it was absolutely unique. Um, both the leap to it, the flight itself, and, um, and the arrival. I mean, this was something so unprecedented, and the the press was all over it. They were, you know, banging down everyone's doors for interviews. Um, like, who does this? Who makes Aliyah to Israel? And it was, of course, a little bit of a difficult time it was during the Intifada. It was completely unheard of and unthinkable, and yet there were this whole plane full of Americans who were doing it. Um, and when we arrived, we landed. I'll never forget that feeling. It was reminiscent of when the Beatles came to America for the first time, you know, coming off the plane and all the, the crowds. It was absolutely phenomenal. Did you have friends, relatives, any type of colleagues that were with you on the flight, or were you relatively alone, so to speak, in this journey? Well, we had several people, including the fastest, of course, um, who were coming from Boca Raton, right. uh, people who we were friends with, but we had no family, you know, aside from, like, you know, fourth cousins, lunch and loot, you know, like, we really had no one in Israel. We had to uh, make our own, our own community, and, and we have. And one of the things we always talk about is the, um, you know, the difference of years ago when people would be, you know, to an extent stranded in Ben-Gurion Airport until finally somebody would pay attention to them as new Olim. Uh, and obviously a big difference today. Was it like that on the first flight, where you whisked through the entire system and uh, treated to something that no previous Ola or Ola ever had been? Oh, yeah. It was absolutely astounding. We had um, we actually had people from Misrata Pnim, from the Interior Ministry, with us on the plane. And I remember in particular, they had um, scissors with them on the plane, which, of course, as you know, nobody could bring scissors <laughs> on the plane. Right. And they needed them to cut out the pictures for our identity cards. Um, so everything about this flight was very, very different. Um, and yes, of course, the whole experience, we were handheld and, um, and it, it was magnificent. I remember our, um, identity cards, something that we had that was literally brought to our door in our new house when we arrived. It, we, it was quite the experience and we certainly had probably different service than, you know, now when there's thousands of people coming. Um, they really, really, um, held our hands and made it a, an incredible, um, and warm experience. 
Very warm. Laura Ben David with us, one of the first Olim uh, back in 2002. All right, the big question, I'm sure people listening want to know the answer. <laughs> 15 years later, are you highly recommending this process for those who could do it from North America? Oh, my God, absolutely. I mean, in 15 years, I've, I've never looked back. It's not to say I've never gone back and gone shopping, and there are certainly things <laughs> that I miss and people that I miss, but the, the quality of life and how it, what it's like for our family and being um, Jewish people who are living in our land where everything about it, 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 it it's for us, it is us, um, you know, the, the holidays, the everything. It's absolutely an incredible, incredible life, and, um, and I love it. It's not to say it's not hard, it's not challenging, because it is. It absolutely is, but, but it's worth it. It's really, really worth it. Laura, thank you so much. Mazal tov to you on this big anniversary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Laura Ben David, who was part of uh, the very first flight, believe it or not, the very first flight from the United States to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh 15 years ago. Well, it's Tuesday, and that means it's time for our Yeshiva League sports update. Uh, Elliot Weiselberg has been very closely following basketball and hockey for us. Yeshiva League sports update keeps us up to date on all the playoff activity and everything you need to know to be up to date. Elliot Weiselberg, Yeshiva League sports update time here on a Tuesday. Uh, on the Nachum Siegel Network, on JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. It's the last day of February, folks, which means that in just 24 hours, the calendar will turn to March. And everyone knows that means March Madness. No, I'm not referring to the massive college basketball brackets, but rather the most exciting month in the Yeshiva League as we count down the days to the 2016-2017 MYHSAL Championship Games. Today on the Tuesday morning JM in the AM Sports Update, the madness begins early with mind-blowing comebacks in JV basketball, a massive upset in varsity hockey, and a look at the most entertaining weekend in Yeshiva sports, the 26th annual Red Saracek Tournament. Good morning, I'm Elliot Weiselberg. We'll start out in varsity hockey, where we already have our first upset and in dominating fashion. The East 4th seed Hank Hurricanes hosted the East 5th seed Flatbush Falcons last week in first-round competition. During the regular season, Flatbush took the victory between the two in their game in Flatbush. Three minutes in, and you would already have the sense of how this game would go, as the Falcons scored three times to bust the contest wide open. The Falcons would score another in the first one in the second, and five in the third, en route to a 10-3 blowout of the Hurricanes. Junior Murray Dweck recorded seven points with four goals and three assists, and senior San Laniato added a hat-trick for Flatbush in the win. The Falcons will advance to play the Western Division champion Frisch Cougars in round two. In JV basketball, a thunderous week for comebacks, as we saw two teams make spectacular double-digit comebacks to advance to the second round. First, the West 5th seeded JEC Thunder rolled back from a 15-point deficit in the second quarter and two 10-point deficits in the third quarter to take a 58-55 win over two-time finalist SAR Sting, behind sophomore Yair Kimmel's 20 points and timely shooting by sophomores Moshe Heller and Jake Goldberg. This, however, would not be the wildest contest. That would happen in the East, where, with 140 left in the third quarter, the East number 3 DRS Wildcats enjoyed a 36-17 lead, a 19-point difference. What would happen in the next 940 would be unbelievable. 
East 6 seed YDE would go on a 32-11 run, come all the way back and knock off the host Wildcats 49-47 behind incredible play from freshman Joey Mishani and sophomores Isaac Alfax and Jaime Sassoon. YDE will move on to play West Division champion TABC. Oh, and by the way, YDE's team name? Of course, The Thunder. The 26th annual Red Sarachek Tournament will begin this coming Thursday and run through Monday afternoon at the Max Stern Athletic Center on the campus of Yeshiva University. Five Yeshiva League teams will participate in the event, top seeds Frisch and Heschel, fourth seed SAR, eighth seed host MTA, and 15th seed Kushner. The competition will begin Thursday at 10 a.m. with the Tier 2 and Tier 1 qualifiers and can be seen all weekend on MaxLive.com, the official home of the YU basketball team and the Sarachek tournament. Speaking of YU basketball, the Max season came to a close this past week with a heartbreaking loss to purchase in the first round of the Skyline Conference tournament. YU finished their season at 15-10, 11-5 in the Skyline Conference, and picked up a host of conference awards, including Rookie of the Year for Simcha Halpert, All-Conference First Team for Judah Cohen, and Coach of the Year to head coach Elliot Steinmetz and his staff. Ayasha Koach to all on a great season and for being a constant Kiddush Hashem for the Jewish community. Need more Yeshiva League action? Tune into tonight's all-new episode of The Court Report at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. This week, we talk more about the JV basketball upsets, as well as one varsity basketball upset that turned heads, too. Girls sports are advancing rapidly, with two teams already having punched their tickets to their respective league championships. All that and more tonight at 7 p.m. on the Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And that was your Tuesday morning jam in the AM Sports Update. I'm Elliot Weiselberg. Thank you very much, Elliot. The uh, Yeshiva League Sports Update Tuesdays at JM in the AM. And, of course, tonight, court report as uh, Elliot continues the adventure through Yeshiva League Sports. I am told that uh, Batsheva Fass, Mrs. Batsheva Fass, who, of course, is the wife of the co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, Rabbi Josh Fass, is with us live via telephone as we celebrate the 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh here in Boca. Uh, Batsheva Fass, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on the show. You remember this place, Boca? Yes, of course. <laughs> Such amazing six years that we had there. Yeah, from what I hear, they were uh, enthralled with the Fast family, and I know that you guys had an amazing time down here. I'll ask you the same question I've asked other uh, Olim who were on the very first plane, but asking you might have even more significance. Did you think there would be yeah. a second plane? Honestly, it's so hard to remember back to how things started with where it is now. Um I think we assumed that we would take things slowly, that see how it went, and hopefully with the success of the first plane, that a second one would be able to happen as well. I guess but beyond that, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what we even thought at that point. It was much smaller. You know, we spent time last night, and we've done this in the past as well. Uh, we we spent time last night talking about the the very first encounter between your husband, Rabbi Fass, and Tony Gelbart. And I would, mm-hmm. guess, I would guess at some point he ran it by you. He ran by the conversation that he had initially with Tony. He may even have told you in advance what he wanted to discuss with him. Um, what, right. was, what was your reaction? What did you think, especially, as you said, you know, enjoying life in a wonderful community down here in Florida? Uh, what did you think of his whole idea when he brought it up? So at that point, we had just decided that 
our dream of moving to Israel was uh, something that we were ready to do. It was uh, it was time for our family. And as he always says, he spoke with other people, and other people would say they wanted to make Aliyah also, but there are so many reasons why they don't believe it's going to happen. Uh, difficulties encountering uh, the system in Israel and and, uh, and leaving family and jobs. And so he started speaking about, you know, creating a system that would alleviate those issues. And I guess beforehand it was more theoretical of just speaking about whether it was a possibility. And after speaking to Tony, Josh started to really feel like this can really happen with that partner. This is something that we can, you know, really help people with. And I felt like, you know, he should go for it. Let's try. Um, you're in an interesting situation because aside from, uh, uh, being in a family of Olim and uh, and having to adjust to Israel and do that for your family. And obviously your family, thank God, continued to grow in Israel. But now at the same time, <clears throat> you're there as he's doing all this traveling, all this you know, hard work on behalf of the organization to make all this happen for future Olim. Uh, how has it been the last 15 years? I mean, I can, I can, only, ima- I can only imagine there have been some difficulties, peaks and valleys. Uh, how has it been generally as an experience? Um, in terms, in terms of him, him not being around, Baruch Hashem, that hasn't been a serious issue. His trips, you know, for the most part were short and he really was present here with our family. He wasn't like a traveling spouse. He really was here the whole time. Um, I'm not really sure Thank God, you know, he has work he enjoys doing. He's passionate about it. He feels good about it. Um, seeing your spouse happy like that is, is always wonderful. Even when he had difficult times with growing the organization, it was something he really believed in, which is such a pleasure to see someone involved in. Well, yeah, it, it is amazing watching someone for you. It's watching somebody up close with a tremendous passion achieve that goal. It's really incredible. Well, I take this opportunity to wish you a Mazel Tov on this 15th anniversary. Uh, it is quite, Thank you very much. It's quite an auspicious occasion, and uh, you've had the opportunity uh, to grow your family in Israel and to help so many others do so. So to you, I say Mazel Tov, and thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Batsheva Fass, who is uh, the wife of Rabbi Josh Fass, co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, and you heard her perspective. For somebody who has really sacrificed her and her family's life on behalf of the Jewish people, she sounds pretty happy and uh, and certainly enthusiastic about that, which must be a remarkable feeling. JM and the AM, as we celebrate 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh here down in Boca, down in Florida, where it all began, uh, we'll go to Rabbi Goldwasser in a second and uh, then continue with more on this very special anniversary edition of JM in the AM. I thank all of you who are tuned in around the world. To our broadcast, you can watch all the proceedings right now at NahumSiegel.com. You can listen, of course, on all of our platforms, including the NSN app, as we continue to um, speak with uh, different people uh, and guests about the 15th anniversary of uh, Nefesh Benefesh. Uh, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechanishmas Arav Zevin, Riyosav Alevi, and Zechanishmas Esther Bas, Riyosav Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. The Mikhtam Elio says... The fact that we have a Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael today is a nace. It's a miracle. It is among the great chasodim that Hashem has bestowed upon His nation. We are able to come from one extreme, the point of Chorben Europa, the Holocaust, to the other extreme, 
and reestablish the yeshivas and the great centers of Yiddishkeit in Eretz Yisrael. We have to remember, though, there is an Eretz Yisrael de la Mata and an Eretz Yisrael Shalmaila, one that is below and one that is above. They both must exist simultaneously. We say in davening, Dovar Tziva Le'elef Dor. It has been thousands of years since we have gone into Golos, into the exile. How does the Ava, the great love, remain in our heart? The Michtam Elio explains, it's because of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. That Kedusha continues to draw us near, no matter how long the bitter Golos is. This is the Yerusha, the inheritance that we have from Avraham Avinu. He was Moshe Nefesh. He self-sacrificed for the Nisayan, the challenge of Lech Lecha. The Talmidim of the Belzer Rebbe, Reb Shalom of Belz, had drawn water for the Maim Shalono, the special water which is used to bake matzahs. When they finished their task, they were leaving the water overnight to use the next day. They wished the Rebbe, L'shona haba b'Yerushalayim, next year in Yerushalayim. The Rebbe asked, why next year? We can take this water that we drew today and we can bake matzos in Yerushalayim and eat them in the presence of Mashiach tomorrow. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M. Thank you very much, Rabbi Goldwasser. More coming up from the Boca Raton Synagogue here in Florida as we celebrate 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh on a special Tuesday morning here at J.M. in the A.M. Dressed in nation ranks, seen them all turn around. Just like you, I hold my ground, but I stand quiet, I stand still, like a rock throughout the ages. I'm just a stone from your home, I'm Jerusalem stone.
JM in the AM. Caught you by surprise there, ZK. Uh, happy birthday to Rina Shachar in New York. Happy birthday, Rina. And to uh, Ari and Ayelet and Eitan and Avishai and Ahuva, we say good morning and thank you for joining us uh, by watching what we're doing here in Florida and by listening to what we're doing here in Florida as we celebrate 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. Rabbi Fass is here. Rabbi Josh Fass is co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh. We are celebrating 15 years. Boker Tov to you. Okay, or... Uh, ZK just brought something up that, um, by accident, I think, that uh, is actually a very good way to start. Has, has your official announcement, when the plane touches down in Tel Aviv, has your official announcement to the, uh, to the people on the plane been the same all these times? 50, 60 flights, whatever it is. Has, is, it always, is it always the same message? Is it always the same uh, um, expression? What do you tell people? on the plane when they've just landed in Israel? That is an awesome question. Thank you very much. I Why? <laughs> because I, I don't like reusing and recycling speeches. Even though you know that nobody on the plane has been on the plane before. <laughs> no, 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 but wait, wait, I'm getting to the point in a second. I don't recycle Devei Torah or, or Shi'urim and, uh, and JFK. I try to find something new every, every year to say, and in Ben-Gurion for sure, I always try to find some new material, even if it's just a few lines or even if it's something from the Parsha, from the Haftarah. But the one thing that has stayed the same, and that is the landing speech. Um, first of all, because we haven't slept for like a day and a half, and I don't want to leave it to memory. And it became nostalgic. I have my fl- flight folder, and in there is the, the, initial, original, yeah, the original, and I just oh. cross off the line, and I put the flight number where the announcement goes. And then whenever there's a question of what flight it is, I'm like, here, it's flight 55, flight 54. So uh, that's the only thing that's kept it, I think, more nostalgic and, and just also just for ease of, uh, of the tool. And that message is welcome home, right? It's welcome home. And the message is, is that you've might, I mean, almost I can do it verbatim, yeah, but you might imagine. have been to Israel many times before. But when you deplane... And walk down those stairs will be the first time as a Toshav Yisrael, as a Zrach Yisrael, pause for a moment and take in the miracle and the magnitude of your step. Yeah. You know, that, that's hit me a few times as I've seen it. Um, but <laughs> on the most recent trip that we were on, on the most recent Nefesh flight, and I've said this so many times already on the air, um, I, I think it was a poignant... Uh, episode without the person involved knowing how poignant it was. There's a woman deplaning with you know six kids hanging onto her, and it was quite obvious that she had not slept the entire night, the entire flight, and and now you know she's gonna leave the plane and go through the entire uh, go, go through the process until until they head to where they have to go to. And I said, boy, it must have been a rough flight. And she said, yeah, but at least this time we don't have to go back. Yeah. And I'm like, she doesn't even realize how deep that thought is. This time, we don't have to go back. Uh, Natan Sharansky was with us earlier. Today's the anniversary of his leaving Russia, and we talked about the uh, uh, about that. That as an episode in modern Jewish history, and I asked him, as I often do, about the Six Day War and its effect on Russian Jewry. And he said something interesting. He said that when we got to the point about Nefesh Benefesh, he said, you know, any real movement in this world must have two components to it, and that's the grassroots component and the official component. And he said it was your grassroots effort that you know, got everybody with Nefesh and Nefesh to the stage that you're at now. And uh, we sort of alluded to this last night, or at least I tried to in my questioning, that I think it has to be that once the government of Israel realized what you're doing and how serious you were and how you know, noble the effort and how real the effort was, I, I, I feel that must have been a very 
uh, important part, a very important part or point in the uh, in the development of the organization. So you remember the grassroots, right? You remember the very beginning. Your wife was just on talking about it, <laughs> the very first flight, and you got to a point where you know now you're being recognized by the Jewish establishment, so to speak, as the entity to move people to Israel. Correct. Those two, two components. Two thousand and five was a turning point for the organization, when the prime minister, when uh, Sharon. Um, almost privatized Aliyah and made a unanimous cabinet decision that uh, he was going to, for the first time, a country was going to start privatizing immigration to the country and to use us as an outsourced body. It took three years after that for the other agencies and establishment to catch on, and only in 2008 did we sign the contract with the Jewish agency. By talking about the Jewish agency, Nathan was one of the first right. few people that Tony and I went to before we even had our first flight in 2002. We, uh, Tony and I, when we fleshed out the idea, we traveled to Israel to talk to certain personalities to get, to get their feedback and see whether or not there will be receptivity in Israel. And we, uh, we met with Natan. What did he say to you in the first meeting? Is there one quote or anything you remember specifically from that encounter? I think every single Israeli that we met said, you guys are crazy. Including him or not? <laughs> but, uh, but Natan was a, literally a dear friend from day one. And, uh, and he said, you guys, you can do it. You can do it. He wrote us this approbation and this letter that we used just to get ourselves with a momentum, to create a momentum, and for nothing. We were selling air. And he put his name on it, and he put his prestige on it. And, uh, and he was with us for those first bunch of months. And after, the year after we made the first flight and we were preparing for the second flight, he was involved in politics at that time. Right. Yisrael Baliyah, a very small stint of politics yep. for, for Natan. And they had a Hanukkah dinner. And Natan gave me and Tony an award. The only award that Yisrael Baliyah gave to anyone because of its <laughs> history. <laughs> and uh, it was a very poignant point for me and Tony. For, for Natan, who was there when we pitched the idea to, and only two years later, standing there um, at a ceremony and, and, and getting this beautiful menorah from Natan and Pretty cool. And, uh, and for him to also to believe in us then and also to believe in us at the, at the initial stages of the organization, that was also very, very heartwarming. Rabbi Josh Fass is here. The number 15 is behind us. Uh, there are a couple other numbers I wanted to discuss with you. Uh, we've already determined this morning that it's not really 50,000 old in. It's much more. 65. There you go, 65,000. So we're going to start using that number because of all the children that have been born and the families that have grown since they moved to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh. The other one is uh, the other number I want to discuss is <laughs> something that you and I, uh, or at least I have made a big deal about over the last few days, and that is the number of, and I'm just pulling it up on my iPhone so that I can do this accurately, uh, the number of... Uh, countries. Countries represented by the lone soldiers that are under your jurisdiction. You explained last night, and we alluded to it this morning, about the role that Nefesh Benefesh has in this entire process of uh, taking care of lone soldiers in Israel. And uh, once they're there in Israel, it's essentially under your jurisdiction. Right? You're taking care of North American Olim to get them to Israel, but people from around the world who are there already, you are taking care of. So last night I say Ecuador, and of course there is only one from Ecuador, but <laughs> but, yeah. but shockingly enough, Estonia has two, yeah. Ethiopia has nine, Correct. Iran has four, uh, Mexico has, uh, what was the number, I think 11 if I'm not mistaken. Mexico has a small amount of value, yeah. They have... yeah. Olim aside from the uh, lone soldiers. Yeah, there's a whole debate whether or not they're considered North America. Yeah. Ah, very so. good point. And, uh, and these numbers are quite remarkable. A total of 64 countries represented right. by these lone soldiers. You've met many of them. 
And it, it is, you know, I, I asked myself, what makes the 14 people from Uruguay want to join the IDF? What is it? Do they have the same spirit of Zionism that so many people have here in North America? Are they doing as good a job in their families in places like Uruguay, like we're trying to do with our families here? And it's remarkable to see this. You see a lot of different reasons. Some of it is out of that, of that Zionism and passion to, to, to move to Israel. Some of them are families sending their kids ahead, almost as scouts, um, to, to place roots, to plant roots for the family to come. We see a lot of that in other nationalities, that the families will send their older kids right. to do the service, to learn some language so that there's an anchor, a cultural anchor for the family to follow. And it's, it's brilliant, but it's a... It's a sacrifice. It, yeah. yeah. You know what the number is from the United States, by the way, that joined you for... Uh, th this is the list that joined you that day, correct? Yeah, correct. You know what the number is from the United States? Three. If I'm, writing, if I'm reading this correctly, 821. Does that make sense? That's a lot. That's in the same service of that one time. So I would say, yeah, 400 something came from America. Oh, that were there. Yeah. Uh, I think it's quite significant. We have a lot to be proud of. All right, Rabbi Fast, we have a very special guest with us live via telephone. As we continue our 15th anniversary celebration of Nefesh Benefesh, I am told that the. Uh, that um, uh, Michael Oren is with us. Michael Oren, Deputy Minister of Diplomacy in the Office of the Prime Minister in Israel and, of course, Israeli Ambassador to the United States from 2009 to 2013. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, welcome to JM in the AM. And uh, just a moment, see if we can get the volume up on that. I apologize. Um... Yeah, you don't want it on speakerphone. Sorry that we have to. Ambassador Orwin was just with us at Yom Sidurim. He stopped by. He was there that and day. He, and not only did he stop by, he stayed for many, many hours just uh, sharing his own experience as a lone soldier with the Chayilim. And it was tremendous, tremendous uh, emotional support. Chizuk v'imutz that he gave to, to soldiers. So on the air, I thank him for, for coming. I apologize, Ambassador Orwin. I think we have you now. Are you there? I'm here. Oh, perfect. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Nefesh Benefesh. Obviously, you know what kind of big day this is and how we are celebrating this amazing accomplishment. But I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a couple of things about the news of the day in general. Uh, you spend so much time in Washington. You're very familiar with the relationship between U.S. governments and Israeli governments. Uh, as the new administration has now uh, taken its place in Washington, D.C., do you see uh, a future of a very different type of U.S. attitude toward Israel than we've seen in the past? I expect to be um, a, a smoother uh, experience than what we had in the past uh, on issues relating to uh, the peace process, our relationship with the Palestinians and the Arab world, um, our relationship uh, with radical Islam, our struggle with radical Islam, and um, I think most importantly, our uh, in, in, in joining together and countering the Iranian threat. Uh, the era that you covered as Israeli ambassador to the U.S. from 2009 to 2013, especially with, the, with what you just said in terms of the expected differences or change or uh, more of a comfort level between the two countries uh, that we uh, will hopefully experience in the near future or we might be experiencing now already, uh, one could look back and say that that was a very, very challenging era. How would you put those four years in the context of the history of the Israeli-U.S. relationship? I think you have to look at the Israeli-U.S. Um, relationship as it emerged in the beginning of the Reagan in the 1980s. 
which was the emergence of a very strong, deep, multifaceted strategic alliance uh, based on shared values, even spiritual ties, and certainly um, defense interests, common defense interests. Um, the Obama period was, was in some ways a departure. Um, there were some principles that had um, that undergirded that relationship um, that um, were, as a matter of policy, discarded by, by the Obama administration. Uh, for example, the notion of uh, no daylight. Uh, no daylight was an important concept. It meant that Israel and the United States could disagree and would disagree. We are independent countries. Uh, but we would work as much as possible with those disagreements behind closed doors. Um, and from the very outset in 2009, the Obama administration, as a matter of policy, made differences with Israel very public indeed. Um, so I think that that was a major challenge. There were others. Um, at the end of the day, the strategic alliance remained very strong, and we were able to uh, sign a, uh, an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, uh, for nearly $40 billion of military aid. It's the largest military aid package which the United States has ever signed uh, with a foreign nation. Uh, with the Obama administration, in spite of all those very deep differences. No question about it, and I know that you had quite a role in that, and uh, we thank you for that. Ambassador Michael Oren is with us live via telephone. We are celebrating 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. You are, uh, you're somebody who's quite familiar with North America, somebody who knows uh, about the, uh, the Jewish community of New York and New Jersey for sure, and that there is a spirit of Zionism uh, in many places. Nonetheless, even with that great spirit, one has to be amazed at the way that Nefesh Benefesh has gone ahead over these 15 years and attracted so many people people, tens of thousands, to actually move, to pick up and move from North America to Israel. What are your thoughts as we are in the midst of this great celebration? Well, first of all, I say hearty uh, mazal tov. I'm the heart of the government and the state. I'm also a member of the Knesset, so I'll look to add the Knesset to that, too. Uh, <laughs> and to say that uh, when I look at Nefesh Nefesh today, I, I feel a little twinge of envy. Um, it didn't exist when I made Aliyah uh, many, many years ago. Um, and basically, I made Aliyah with a backpack. Uh, nobody met me at the airport. No one got me a job. No one made sure I had housing. The fact that uh, that an organization like that, like an organization exists today, that can facilitate out Aliyah um, and ensure um, as smooth as possible integration for lean into Israeli society, um, for the younger ones to go into the army, also assist with that uh, process of being a lone soldier is uh, for me. A sort of inspiration, and uh, yes, a little bit of envy. <laughs> well, it's a good envy to have, that's for sure. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate you joining us. I could tell you I was in West Orange a couple of weeks ago for Shabbat, and they recall you fondly uh, there in that neighborhood. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Not those Jews. I tell you why, because when I was there, there were no Jews. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But it's become a very firm community. It's a great place. My parents still live Yes, it certainly is. I greatly appreciate you joining us. Mazal Tov, Nefesh Benefesh. We hope to see you in the holy city of Jerusalem very soon. Very soon. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. There is Ambassador Michael Orrid with us on this edition of JM in the AM as we celebrate our uh, the 15th, not our, but the 15th uh, anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh down here in Boca, where it all began. Plenty more coming up, everybody, on this on this uh, Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM. We are live from Florida as we continue with this um, with this very special commemoration, this very special celebration of uh, Nefesh Benefesh and their 15th anniversary right here at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. We're live in Florida. I've asked everybody fast to uh, feel free to join us, of course. He's essentially a co-host with me this morning. Imagine that. I'm not a co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh as much as I'd like to be. But I could say that I had a tiny, tiny, tiny little part from the very beginning in reminding people how important the organization is in uh, helping uh, those move who want to move to Israel to do so as uh, efficiently as possible. We are joined by Rabbi Kenneth Brander. Rabbi Brander is, of course, Vice President for University and Community Life at Yeshiva University. Um, uh, we're used to speaking to each other while we're in New York. Today we are both down here in Florida. Rabbi Brander, welcome to uh, JM in the AM. And I thank you for welcoming us here to Boca Raton Synagogue. What role could you have in welcoming us here? Well, you are, in fact, the founding rabbi, if I'm not mistaken, of Boca Raton Synagogue. Good morning to you. Good morning, Nachum. It's a pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know, normally I say welcome home, so I <laughs> actually feel I can say that here also. <laughs> Very good. We could say it to you, okay. certainly. <laughs> Tell us about the early days. The Boca Raton Synagogue was not always like this, I would suspect. Right. First of all, I, I was not the founding rabbi. There were plenty of rabbis uh, here before me. Um, in 1991, uh, my wife and I and two uh, young children came here. Um, there were 60 families in the synagogue. None of this existed. It was just a, uh, a wonderful forest area that was uh, purchased by some uh, visionary thinkers, uh, lay leaders. And uh, with the help of a strong group of lay leaders, uh, we took a community that was 60 families and older families, and uh, with a group of uh, lay leaders, we built it into uh, Baruch Hashem, a community um, that has, well, well, I'm sure it has many more families than it did when I left, but when I left uh, here, we had around 600 families. Uh, we built the shul, we built the kolel, which Rabbi Fass was uh, a very important part of. Uh, together, Rabbi Fass and I helped build uh, an elementary school, a high school, uh, a vatakashras, a beit din that Rabbi Fass played a very strong role in. And Baruch Hashem, the community continues to grow from strength to strength under the leadership of Rabbi Goldberg. So it's, uh, I feel like a grandparent <laughs> when I come here to see the nachas of, uh, of feeling that I was privileged to work with a group of wonderful people to build a community. Is this rare for you or on a somewhat regular basis you're down here? Well, I mean, I come here a few times a year. I, I try not to crowd the place. I don't think that's good for anyone. But the <laughs> bottom line is that uh, I come here, you know, uh, Rabbi Goldberg has arranged that once a year I come here as a scout residence. Um, I come here a few other times a year, and, uh, you know, it's good to stay connected to people that help shape you. I was shaped by the Boca Raton Synagogue community. Um, they introduced me to the idea of what it is to create a synagogue that has multiple portals of spiritual entry. And it really shaped the life of, of uh, my life, the life of my wife, the life of my family. I have a tremendous amount of akarasato for the transformation that the Brander family went through uh, in the Boca Raton Synagogue community. Have you welcomed many uh, uh, students from Boca, men and women, to Yeshiva University? Yes. Uh, one of the nice things is when you look at the admissions and you're able to see uh, all of those students coming from the Yeshiva High School that you started, um, it's it's really a, a beautiful thing to see, and uh, I'm able to spend time with them in, in New York, and uh, I feel like I'm a home away from home 
for all, for all students at YU, especially those who come from Boca Raton. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. Why last night did Rabbi Fass, in your opinion, credit you with so much of the spirit of Zionism that helped create and hatch the idea eventually here at BRS of Nefesh Benefesh? Well, I think Rabbi Fass... Uh, always understates uh, his role. So uh, obviously as the founder of Nefesh Benefesh, I, I feel privileged that I was able to partner with Rabbi Fass in helping to develop this community. Uh, Rabbi Fass joined here as one of the members of the COEL, and as the community grew and we needed some more rabbinic assistance, I was able to cherry pick him from uh, a group of wonderful COEL families uh, to play a leadership role in the community. And then I remember uh, I hope my, uh, the details are exact. I remember that uh, Rabbi Fass's family experienced a terrible tragedy in Israel, terrorist attack, and he came to my office and he made a comment that he wants to, it was right before Pesach, he wants to make a difference in the Jewish world in Israel. And he said, for the loss of my cousin, I want to create nefesh tachas nefesh, that for every soul that has been lost due to terrorist attacks, um, you know, just the heinous murders that were happening in Israel. I want to replace those souls, and I want, if those souls can be replaced, and I want to grow the, the country. At which point I told them, you know, why don't you take Pesach off, reflect on this with you and your wife and your family, and let's come back and let's talk about it. He came back, he had this unbelievable idea, marketing plan, strategies, and we talked it out, and... Uh, I think Boca Raton Synagogue was an incubator for him to be able to create that, and I'm very proud of that. The small part that I had in helping to develop Nefesh Benefesh from that perspective. And I think the community itself is a religious science community. We always spoke truth to power about our responsibilities to Medina Israel, And that Boca Raton Synagogue, as wonderful a community that, that it is, is a footnote in Jewish history, especially in this generation, and that Israel is the chapter head. And, um, you know, I'm privileged that uh, within the next few months I will have a married couple and a son who will be making Aliyah through Nefesh B'Nefesh. Uh, so I think it, you know, all goes in, for, in full circle. And, uh, again, the partnership with Rabbi Fass uh, has always been a privilege. Uh, I hope I inspired him. I know he inspired me. And uh, we continue to be uh, close friends. Rabbi Fast, what could you add to this, especially in terms of what you said last night about Rabbi Brander's leadership having a role in this entire operation? Well, you talk about uh, transformative experiences and Hakarat uh, Tov. Besides the atmospherics and creating an unbelievable Zionist community, which Rabbi Brander put his heart and soul in for so many years, but uh, Rabbi Brander mentored me uh, for six years. And, uh, and gave me a sense of a vision of how to be a dreamer, but also because this is one of the most creative men that you'll find in, in the rabbinate, but also to be a pragmatist. I can't count the amount of times that Rabbi Brander sat with me and said, the devil's in the details, Josh. We're the details. And just to, to, to nurture me and to, to push me to get out of my comfort zone. Sometimes we try to uh, find our comfort zone and stay there. But uh, to actually do something in life, you have to put yourself in places that are a little bit uncomfortable. And that's with uh, initial radio shows. 
that Rabbi Randa pushed me to do, even though I was quite fearful of them, and, and gave me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to hone different skills that without his mentorship, Nefesh would have been formed. And I said it last night. Um, it wouldn't have been done. It, there's no question about it if I didn't have the mentorship under Rabbi Brander. I forgot also, about those radio shows. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I was petrified of those. But besides that, it was uh, an enlightened view of, of jury that I needed to get coming from a certain path in life you only usually expose to certain views. And Rabbi Rabbi Brander really exposed me to the beauty of every type of Jew, the embrace and the acceptance and the love of every type of Jew. And through those six years, that have really has opened, opened my heart and my viewpoint and my approach and the sensitivity and the nuance that's necessary in creating a national movement and also being the address for every single type of Jew. And that was formulated here under, under his tutelage, under his guidance, and, uh, and the, as they say in Hebrew, you don't have the words to, to express a karatatov, and I'm thankful that we have a continued friendship to this day. It is pretty amazing. Rabbi Brander, I thank you. Uh, mazal Tov on the 15th anniversary of Nefesh I will wish you yeah. a Mazal Tov as well, not just Rabbi Fez. Yeah. And we're going to continue with more. I, I apologize for being abrupt, but I am told that we have the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations with us, the Honorable Danny Danone. Mr. Ambassador, are you there? Shalom, Boker Tov, good morning, Nachum. Boker Tov, a pleasure to speak with you again. How are things at our United Nations? <laughs> well, uh, as you know, it's always busy at the UN. We just heard uh, Abu Mazen yesterday attacking Israel again, and it is not news for us. But we are, we are optimistic, you know. We, we see that the, the new ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the UN, Ambassador Haley, she, she took the right approach, uh, and she understands uh, very clearly uh, the challenges, and I'm optimistic about making changes at the UN. Yeah, and there's no question. I mean, uh, Ambassador Haley was uh, remarkable, to say the least. And just, rem- and just remind me, because I don't know if I have the, if I have the official uh, um, uh, a term correct, uh, 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 the, the leader of the PA was speaking on behalf of a human rights commission or representing human rights. There, there was a component of human rights in the title, am I right? No, he was speaking uh, in front of the, of the human rights committee, and uh, he addressed it. And uh, every time he addressed the committee, you know, he blamed Israel for everything. And that, that's not news to us. But instead of dealing with uh, the human rights abused by the Palestinians themselves in Gaza, in other places, uh, he used always to blame Israel for everything. That's a pity. But, you know, one day maybe there will be a leader that will be focusing on supporting the Palestinian people not attacking Israel all the, all the time. Yeah, we are waiting for that day, that's for sure. You know what's happening today, Ambassador Danone. You've been with us before, and today we have a very special day as we're spearheading the anniversary celebration of Nefesh Benefesh. You know how important an organization this has been. You have participated yourself uh, in the incredible journeys to Israel. What are your thoughts as we commemorate over 50,000 Olim from North America at the hands of Nefesh Benefesh? Well, I, I think it is a miracle. I know the organization from the beginning, when uh, Rabbi Fass and uh, Tony Gilbert spoke with me about it, it was many, many years ago. And uh, I see how, you know, an idea become a reality and uh, how it changed uh, the lives of uh, thousands of people and also changed uh, the history of the Jewish people. I think it is a great organization. And to see the success, the people who are staying in Israel and, and actually becoming uh, uh, emissaries 
by telling others and telling their families about the great experience they had making Aliyah with Nefesh Benefesh. I think, uh, you know, I was uh, the chairman of the Committee of Observation and the Aftoah Affairs, and always when we discuss Nefesh Benefesh, I told to my colleagues in the Knesset that they should uh, actually imitate and see what Nefesh Benefesh is doing, and we should do the same all over the world. You know, you sit in a room, you sit in a building uh, with, uh, you know, representatives of uh, countries in the hundreds, of course, or all around the world. What we've been learning over the last couple of days as we've embarked on this celebration is how many countries have Olim that are moving to Israel on a regular or semi-regular basis. We, we often concentrate on North America. Quite obviously, it's where we're from, and it's where the organization concentrates its efforts. But it's remarkable how many countries are now represented in Israel in general. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, and you see, you know, the, the level of support, the amount of support. Uh, and I think today with the globalization, you see people moving around. And I think that today, you see the youngster, whenever I come to an event with Nefesh Benefesh, whether when I was in the government or now when I go to JFK to, to escort the, the new Olim, I see the young Olim, it is amazing. You see young boys and girls coming to serve uh, the IDF instead of going to college. And I, I admire them. I admire them for doing that. No, for me, for my, my, my children, uh, it's obvious because, you know, in Israel, everybody is doing it. But to see a, an American or Canadian uh, kid that uh, is saying, I'm not going to college now, I'm going to serve in the IDF, it is very remarkable. Uh, Ken, thank you enough for joining us. Mazal Tov. I'm going to give you a Mazal Tov wish as well on this 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh. I'm sure you're celebrating today. And I thank you for joining us and to continue what you're doing. I, I don't know of, uh, of too many people in your position uh, who have been able to accomplish what you've been able to accomplish so far. So continued chazak v'yamatz to you, Ambassador Danone, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Nachum. More coming up. It is a um, Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM. And boy, oh boy, this has been quite a celebration so far as we continue with special guests and plenty more on this uh, Tuesday morning from Boca Raton Synagogue here down in Florida. The the birthplace of the Nefesh Benefesh organization. More coming up if you keep it at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. It is a Tuesday morning broadcast and a very special one because we are celebrating the 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh. We are down in Florida in Boca at the place where it all began. The Deputy Executive Director of Hadassah Israel is with us live via telephone. That would be Barbara Goldstein. Barbara, welcome back to J.M. in the A.M. Thank you, thank you. It took you so long to get me back again. <laughs> Don't hold that against me, please. Okay, you're in, Boca, you're in Boca Raton, and I'm looking out at the Mediterranean from the Museum of the Diaspora. Oh, is that where you are right now? Yeah. That's quite a place, one of our favorite places in Israel. Um, well, okay. I, I, it, we're celebrating 15 years. We are celebrating 15 years, and the... Uh, and the uh, impact that this organization has had on North American Jewry is quite obvious. What are your thoughts about Nefesh Benefesh on this auspicious occasion? I think it's a great auspicious occasion. Also today happens to be the 31st anniversary of Natan Sharansky, who landed in Eretz Yisrael, in right. the Dinat Yisrael, in the state of Israel today. Right. So I think everybody should be aware of that. 100%. And um, I, I think on the Nefesh Benefesh is one of the greatest uh, endeavors of the Jewish people in this 21st century. And um, the, the people who come, who stay, who are inspired, and even the ones who always, they, they take them a few years to make Aliyah, but they become connected and committed and part of this family which in America is becoming more and more fragmented. And the tent is unbelievably large to fit all of us in. Oh, so no this day, uh, No question about it. It is a, it's certainly a day to rejoice. And you mentioned uh, Natan Sharansky. We spoke with him earlier, and we spoke about the significance of this date for him and for all of us in modern Jewish history. And, you know, you're a unique person to address all of this because we are already putting Nefesh Benefesh in the, Nefesh Benefesh in the annals of great Jewish organizations. You're with Hadassah Israel. You, you know about the history of great Jewish I represent Hadassah America in ah. Israel. Okay, now I got that. Okay, I represent the 300,000 members in America, but we're not turf people, okay? The, the, we, we have to be one people... For one ideology of of not not just survival but enriching what has been handed down to us and Nefesh Benefesh is not an organization it's a movement like like Hadass is a movement we take people from one place to another we want to bring them from one place to another and uh, we build we build on on everything and that we do from year to year as we look forward to a to great to a great future. And, yeah. you know, in Hebrew, I know, we, we don't have the word for present, okay? We have the word for past. We don't have the word for present because really, and we have the word for future. Today is already the future. Yeah, the future is here, and it's amazing to watch it develop uh, right in front of our very eyes. I can't thank you enough for joining us, uh, Deputy Executive Director of Hadassah, uh, Barbara Goldstein, who is uh, in Israel. It's as, great to be with you. Who is in Israel as we speak. And join me in wishing Nefesh Benefesh a very happy 15th anniversary.
Mazal tov, mazal tov, mazal tov. Tadaraba, thank Bye. you again very, very much. Bye. Okay, take care. Barbara Goldstein from Israel, uh, a unique perspective on the organization, not just being an organization, but the organization being a movement, something she could speak about because of her association with one of the great movements of Israel. She describes it accurately, and that's Hadassah, and of course, recognizing the incredible movement that we continue to highlight, and that is the uh, movement of Nefesh Benefesh and North American Aliyah. Uh, more coming up, more special guests. Russell Robinson of JNF is expected to call in, and plenty more happening on this uh, Tuesday morning as we continue to broadcast from the Boca Raton Synagogue down here in Florida. You're listening to a 15th anniversary celebration with Nefesh Benefesh, and this is the Nahum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M. We're live in Florida on this Tuesday, and I thank you all for tuning in and being part of the action. Uh, celebrating 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. By the way, um, we're celebrating, and I should mention, uh, there's a website for you to get more information about Aliyah. Uh, conversations like this often uh, will encourage people to become part of the process. <clears throat> will encourage people to uh, want to head to Israel. NBN.org.il, NBN.org.il. I want to wish Simcha Liner a Mazel Tov. He's being honored by the base Medrash Mayan HaTorah this coming weekend. Mazel Tov to our friend Simcha Liner. Uh, the Mayanot dinner is coming up with honorees um, uh, this coming uh, March 4th, Saturday night. Uh, honorees include uh, Elliot and Lori Linzer, Mrs. Suzanne Cohen, Rabbi Daniel and Diane Cohen, plus a uh, Bear Torah. Memorial Award in memory of Bruce Ritholtz. Information go to the Maya Note website, and we acknowledge our incredible association with Maya Note Yeshiva High School. Uh, the Shuvu dinner is coming up. That's also Saturday night at the Palace on McDonald Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, with a special base medrash dedication in memory of Urbanish Mandel. Uh, information about the dinner you could uh, you could go to um, shuvuusa.org. Shuvuusa.org. There's a concert calendar. Are you going to be there? ZK is going to be at the Shuvu dinner with video. Send our regards. I don't think I'm going to make it this Saturday night. Uh, Chazday Soul to Soul has their event on Sunday. It's called Bring the House Down with Avram Freed, happening at the Brooklyn School of Music on Clawson Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, starting at 7 p.m. Chazday Soul to Soul has a phone number, 347-688-SOUL. 347-688-SOUL for information. Again, it's Avram Freed this weekend, Sunday, starting at 7 p.m., in Crown Heights. Rutgers Hillel sponsors the return of Safam to Rutgers this coming Sunday. Um, <clears throat> that's going to be happening um, with a sneak peek of the Eva and Ari Halpern Hillel House on the Wolf Family Campus. Uh, taking place this coming Sunday, 70 College Avenue in New Brunswick. Go to RutgersHillel.org for information. RutgersHillel.org for information. And the fourth annual benefit concert at Lincoln Square Synagogue will feature Yankee Lemmer and Friends with guest artist Shimon Kramer and starring Zusha. This coming Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. in the Lincoln Square Synagogue Sanctuary with a chalent and dessert reception to follow. How do you like that? It's happening at 180 Amsterdam Avenue. Go to lss.org for information. lss.org for information about the event. Special hello to those of you who are watching around the world. Uh, anybody who wants to see all the action down here in Florida, all you got to do is go to nachomsegel.com. It's on the website, on our homepage. A big thank you to our... Chief Engineer ZK and to our staff, including Miriam L. Wallach and Yoni Pollock and Jamie Turkel, and of course Mayor Kruder, Kruder Photography. Go to Kruder.com for information, K R U T E R.com. But having Mayor Kruder himself at your next Simcha so that it could be uh, photographed and documented appropriately. Mazel Tov to our very own Naomi Nachman. The launch party for the Perfect for Pesach cookbook was last night. Wish we could have been there, Naomi. We were down here in Florida, as you know. But we wish you the best of luck as you continue to uh, <coughs> to uh, progress in the world of kosher cooking. Mazel tov, Naomi Nachman. The launch party was last night. Oh, there's Mayor Kruder. We were just talking about you. Kruder.com, K-R-U-T-E-R.com, for people who want you at their event to document things. On JM Rewind, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM in the AM, Yoel Rosby of JNF. He is the Givata Tachmoshet Ammunition Hill uh, representative liaison. Uh, for JNF, uh, Yoel Rosby, my conversation with him will be on. Our Thursday live lunch when Ding and Avram Rosenblum joined us about the uh, Diaspora Yeshiva Band reunion from years ago. That will be on as well. JM Rewind coming up between 9 and 10. 
a conversation you'll want to hear if you are a Jewish music aficionado. And Naim, which was North American uh, Inclusion Month, uh, was discussed by Batya Jacob uh, last week. She's on JM Rewind with us between 9 and 10 this morning as well, so check it out. Make sure to be tuned in uh, here at uh, the Nahum Single Network right after JM in the AM. <coughs> we are... Um, we are uh, hoping that uh, Russell Robinson from JNF is going to be joining us uh, at some point in the next few minutes. He's expected, plus uh, Ellie Groner from the Prime Minister's Office in Israel is expected as well here at, uh, at JM in the AM. We can go to a break. We can go to this break. We're not going to this break? We're not going to this break. We're, we're inviting Rabbi Fass back on with us here. You want to take a break? And I, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on here. Either way. Earlier, um, we, we again heard the quote, creating a special atmosphere of community. It is something that I think has many different meanings. Uh, one of the things we spoke about last night during the 15th anniversary celebration of Nefesh Benefesh here at BRS uh, was that uh, aside from the obvious transformation of Israeli society and the state of Israel um, that uh, you know has occurred because of your organization, I believe, and you confirmed it, that there is some type of transformation that's taking place in many different cities and communities around the United States and Canada because of the existence of Nefesh Benefesh. Could you describe to this audience, like you did last night, um, how it is uh, and and how how it is that there is a a, an increase or a different attitude towards Zionism because of the exist in, in North American communities because of the existence of Nefesh Benefesh? I think uh, one of the things that we're very proud of is that we put Aliyah back on the map. And Aliyah was, or North American Aliyah, was a bit taboo. Thank you, Miriam. Was a little bit taboo. The word itself, uh, I remember the initial days of Nefesh in 2001, 2002, when I was throwing out the ideas in different communities, they're like, we don't, we don't say that phrase. North American Aliyah. And uh, the perception of Aliyah, of American Aliyah, was a failure Aliyah, where individuals who were not succeeding in America and just left. And that the Aliyah, it's not, Aliyah itself was not successful, that people after they moved would come back invariably after a year and a half. So it was just, it was a downer. It was, it was not successful. And it was, it was a misconception, not that the statistical rate of retention was wrong, but just the caliber of individuals moving. And I think with breathing new life into a new wave of Zionism that not only created that viability of this concept, but also introduced uh, the word and the message as being something that was positive. And uh, there were never celebrations, there were never videos, people didn't watch, people didn't come to, it didn't exist. It didn't exist until mm -hmm. 2002. In 2002 and on, uh, that changed. And, and that has trickled down in, in communities throughout the country, in England and Canada, of just celebrating the concept. And, th and that's the first step. You celebrate something, you position it as positive, and then you get to the next step of contemplating or, or selling that product or having a desire for that product. But the first step in any marketing business plan is create a product that people are envious of or that is positive, positive branding. And I think that's, uh, that is something that we're very proud of. You bring so many things to mind. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I don't even know if we've – I think we did discuss this publicly early on in, in the annals of the organization. Your first experience in Israel may not have been the most positive one. 
Your we part. had a horrible LES story. No one knows, really knows this. I, I, because we have our we, family. We've discussed this on the air, but not for a long time. We haven't discussed this in a long time. Today may be a good day for this. No, it's not. E- <laughs> Even even your Aliyah, right? Even even Jewish. I was t- I was ten years old. This is in the previous non nefesh days. Right. Obviously, I was ten years old. We moved to Israel, not uh, as olim, but for my father's work, and we had an awful experience. It was just a confluence of a, a whole bunch of bad factors. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. nonetheless, we've all moved back. Well, not That's the amazing thing. Right. All my siblings, my parents, and we you've all said, live in Israel. And I think you've said this publicly, that even though it was a difficult experience, you're convinced that that experience is what's led to all of this. It might be Freudian a bit, that right. I'm trying to remedy uh, right. a bad experience. <laughs> right. But I say, excuse me, I say to what I go around, and sometimes when I give seminars, and people are like, but what if it doesn't work out? I said two things. Number one, do people think about that when they get married? Because the rate of successful aliyah is better than the marriage the and, and divorce. Marriage. So that's number one. <laughs> Does anyone, <laughs> when they're about to go to the chuppah, you know, what's the statistics <laughs> of this? That's number one. Number two, I said, what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is that you come back after a year or two. And you know what? It happened to me. It happened to our family. And there was enough of a positive element, of sparks of a positive connection that happened during that year um, amongst tumultuous times, that it was enough to draw us all back later on in our lives. Right. And, and now we're a clan of 40 plus. Thank God. Including your parents. Yes. Who are there in Israel now. Right. Despite that. Their experience. And if you recall, Fifth grade. <laughs> those, those of you who are loyal listeners might recall that your mother was on the air from the airport last summer. You're getting a lot of fast family uh, members on we this. We certainly thing. are. At, at, at her enthusiasm and her yeah. at her at her uh, regard for you is unbelievable. By the way, do you realize that we've gone through now two really significant events, at least for us, and that's last night's celebration and and this morning's show. I don't think I've used the word Jewish hero. I think others may have, but I don't think I've used it yet. And I and I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I must shelve sure, it for I'm, next twenty minutes. I'm until sure you do. But there is a degree of heroism that I think is. Uh, involved in, in anybody's aliyah. I have often spoken about, because all of us come, not all of us, but most of us come from lineage where there's been displacement, where there's been displacement in our history, whether our parents, grandparents, you know, forced to leave their homes, their countries, make a decision to go to another country. None of this is easy. And even today, you'd have to admit, as easy as it is to do all this and to move to Israel, it's still it takes, it takes a leap. It takes a leap to do it. So uh, I'll hesitate from using the word Jewish hero for you today, but on this 15th anniversary of Nefesh Nefesh, I'll classify all the Olim as Jewish heroes. Absolutely. We, we put out a video for Yom Atzimut a few years ago, and we, we called it Israeli heroes. And someone called me out on it and said, why the heroes? I said, a hero is extraordinary acts performed by individuals that require them to step out of their comfort zone. Unfortunately, the act of making Aliyah for North America is extraordinary yep. now. Exactly. And taking individuals to sacrifice their c- certain things for an ideology. Please God, in the future, they won't be extraordinary and they won't be heroes. But right now they are. By the way, I have to share something with you. Uh, just a couple of minutes ago, you said that uh, Aliyah, Nefesh, Nefesh, you know, bad word. People didn't want to hear about it. It was taboo, etc., etc. 
And we, of course, know that it's such an essential in terms of our existence as Jews. So it reminds me, my father used to tell the story that uh, members of his congregation would come over to him and say, Rabbi, you're spending so much time talking about Shabbos and Kashrus. What would you like me to speak about? Speak about Judaism. So, you know, why are you spending so exactly. much time? So the same thing here. You know. Unfortunately. Rabbi, Rabbi Fass, you're spending so much time on Aliyah. Speak about Jewish destiny or something. But Aliyah, moving to Israel. Future of people. Yeah, exactly. Speak about that. All right. More coming up. We'll continue with Rabbi Fass and continue to celebrate all through this visit. By the way, tomorrow... We get an opportunity. Yeah, we we, best, we mentioned that that uh, that uh, Mrs. Fast, meaning your mother in this case, was an insanely enthusiastic guest last summer. I mean, she's as proud as any Jewish mother could be. And trust me, that's a high standard. She's a proud mama, <laughs> to say the least. All right, more coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. on a uh, Tuesday morning broadcast celebrating the incredible Nefesh Benefesh organization on this 15th anniversary of Nefesh Benefesh. It is a great honor for us to introduce, to bring onto our airwaves, uh, Director General, the Prime Minister's office in the State of Israel, the person who essentially runs the country at the side of the Prime Minister of Israel, and that, of course, is Director General Ellie Groner. Uh, Mr. Director General, a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining us here this morning. 
A pleasure to be on your program, Nahum. Good to good to hit the big time. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we're celebrating 15 years of Nefesh Nefesh. One of the things I've pointed out over the last uh, day of celebration is the incredible support that the Prime Minister's Office has given this effort. Can you give us, from your perspective, how significant a day this is? I want to tell you that it would be an even more significant today if this was the 30-year anniversary of Nefesh Nefesh, because that's when I could have used you. I, uh, the reason, one of the main reasons that we give such support from the Prime Minister's Office to Nefesh Nefesh is because I understand the importance of Nefesh Nefesh. And I understand the importance of Nefesh Nefesh because it wasn't around when I moved here. Mm. And my adjustment period was very, very difficult. It remains the most difficult thing I've done in my life. And I'm thrilled that the ability to enable uh, Jewish people from around the world, particularly the United States, to move to our sovereign Jewish nation state uh, that that process has been made much easier thanks to Nefesh Benefesh. Uh, the people of Nefesh Benefesh are doing holy work, and we do everything we can to assist them. Uh, I can only imagine the type of things you're involved with on a daily basis. Running a country is obviously not easy, and you're involved... Oh, the Prime Minister runs the country. I'm here to help. <laughs> 100%. And uh, involved, no doubt, in many different things that are, are, are difficult and o- o- often can get one down, etc. Is this one of the oases of good news, one of the oases of celebration that you, as a leader in Israel, get to participate in on a, uh, you know, on a, on a regular basis, the uh, Nefesh Benefesh flights that arrive? and the good news that spreads through the media that more Olim are coming from North America? Listen, when one of the most important things in, in an era where there's so much criticism and delegitimization and anti-Semitism, there's all sorts of approaches that we can take to how we can fight this, how we can, how we can combat the delegitimization, how we can combat BDS, etc. At the core, at the core, Nahum, the way to fight this in the most effective way possible is by strengthening the Jewish state. When you strengthen the Jewish state, then you're able to take on these challenges in a much more uh, uh, effective fashion. And the most, one of the best ways to strengthen the Jewish state is by facilitating Aliyah. And the extent to which Nefesh Benefesh participants come here and Moss and join us on our journey as we actively strengthen not only the Jewish state, but by extension the Jewish people, um, we fight all that is uh, evil. We fight much of what is evil in the world, and that's why we look at Nefesh Benefesh the way we do. So if our listeners would ask or say that they want to uh, do something for the Jewish people and do something for Israel, you might just give them the simple message of get on a plane and just join us here in the well, Holy Land. It's not only that, but I would say, I mean, obviously that's, that's taking it to the extreme, and that's the extreme we want to take it to, but obviously there's a role for for Jews to support Israel all over the world. You don't have to move to Israel in order to do it. Moving to Israel and taking a part in Israeli society is obviously the most natural way to strengthen the Jewish state. But I would say that there was one thing that struck me after I moved to Israel. And, you know, I was the first year of the first, uh, what we call, and what I learned there, if I would tell you the one takeaway I have from that year, and that is opposed to uh, Jewish life outside of Israel. I, when, I was, when I grew up in the United States, there was a very clear distinction between uh, that which is holy and that which is secular, right? The, mm-hmm. different, the distinction between Kodesh and Chol. And what I learned in Israel is that that distinction is very, very blurred. So yes, uh, sitting in halls of study uh, and dipping deeper into our, into our sacred texts is holy, but I also learned that strengthening our security apparatus is holy. 
and strengthening the state of Israel's uh, world of academia's holy work, and strengthening the state of Israel's uh, economy is holy work, and strengthening the state of Israel's healthcare system is holy work. And my, uh, what I would tell people is that if you want to have a role in strengthening the Jewish people, the most natural way to do it is to pursue whatever your passion is, but to pursue it in Israel. What an interesting and such an important message. Can't thank you enough for your support. I know you joined me in wishing Mazal Tov to Nefesh Benefesh on this 15th anniversary, and I thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be here, and congratulations to everyone involved. Uh, he is the uh, Director General of the Prime Minister's Office in Israel. That's Ellie Groner joining us. Very special message. And yes, he's right. And Rabbi Fast rejoins me. Uh, Ellie Groner just said that if one wants to do holy work, it's not simply uh, studying the sacred texts, which we know is important, obviously, and is included in what we consider to be holy. But one can help build Israel, help build uh, the economy of Israel, the healthcare system in Israel, uh, the business community in Israel, and they're also doing holy work. Pretty good point. Absolutely. I know you agree. I'm just you know, wanted to get your reaction, but I'm reacting. Yeah, I didn't think you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you'd be that mellow in terms of your reaction. <laughs> Want to thank the Boca Raton Synagogue staff, <laughs> who have been pretty amazing in preparation for these couple of days, and of course on these couple of days themselves. A special thank you to uh, BRS uh, Boca Raton Synagogue Executive Director Matthew Hockerman. Uh, for all of his help, 24 hours a day, quite frankly. Thank you, Matthew. All right, Matthew. We will thank some of the eateries down here who've made sure to keep us uh, well-fed, including Kosher Boca Bagel. Good name, Kosher Boca Bagel. I like that. For our breakfast this morning, and to Eli Amsalem of King David Catering, who worked with everybody here uh, for the uh, wonderful dessert reception that followed the celebration and the, uh, the armchair conversation last evening as we celebrated 15 years of Nefesh Benefesh. And uh, here we are, 15 years later, from where this all began uh, with Rabbi Josh Fass and Tony Gelbart, and uh, encouraging everybody to uh, hop on and to get your information. If you can't move today, certainly make it part of your plan. Make it somewhat of a priority for your family. Continue to, uh, to teach and to uh, raise your children in a way that would uh, make them love Israel and keep Israel in a favorable light throughout their lives. You do all those things, you know what's going to end up happening. There'll be a stronger and stronger connection to the state of Israel, and then eventually the future of the Jewish people, which we know is in Israel, will, uh, will come to complete fruition. And uh, you see this, by the way. You see the whole vision, you know, down the road. Like I asked you last night, you know, what's the next step? And... What are you and Tony planning? And you always alluded to the fact that there's more coming and more ideas. But you already see it. You already see where real kibbutz goliot in massive numbers is going to be taking place in the Holy Land. Not that it isn't already, but you know there's still plenty more work to do and a lot more countries to reach and more Jews to get to Israel. There is a lot of work to do. Uh, the scaffolding's in place. The atmospherics seem to be creating a new wave of natural growth and other stimuli that are creating the Kibbutz Galeot, and I think there is an appreciation of the miracle of the State of Israel that is continuing to take root throughout, uh, throughout the diaspora, and I think we are hopefully in for very promising times for the State of Israel and for the Jewish people. You're in for the long haul, Rabbi Fass. Uh, we're in, hopefully. You're not stopping Please at God. 15, are you? No. If you're looking right now in the video from around the world, and I'm proud to say that a lot of people are, in fact, right now, you'll see an amazing an incredible piece that was put together in honor of the 15 years, a Jerusalem Post supplement 
right? I assume this already has been distributed to the public. Am I right? Not yet. It has not been. No, you're looking at... Uh, when is this going to be... Uh, this is going out in Pesach. In uh, oh, it'll be in one of those uh, key holiday editions, huh? Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, I'm sorry. The correction. In Jerusalem Report is this week okay. in America, and Jerusalem Post Supplement is going to be given out around Pesach time. Okay. Thank you for the correction out there. <laughs> that's the... That's the uh, um, uh, holiday time when people are going to be uh, taking a few minutes. Yushalayim, it's good. That's true. Isn't and that one of the themes of Passover? A facilitative after all? kind of uh, Rabbi brochure. Fass, you, know, you know the old joke, right? What's the old joke? When, when Rabbi Fass is in a very mellow mood this morning. I'm, I've had a few hours. I've had a few hours to rev up. He's nowhere near my level yet. Okay, give uh, me another cup of coffee. I'll be with you. Let's go. Uh, the joke is. And maybe I shouldn't have advanced this, this part of the conversation by saying it's a joke, because some people may actually take it seriously. Where the, uh, where the man of the house is uh, at the Seder table, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, L'shana habav Yerushalayim, next year in Jerusalem. And uh, the uh, lady of the house from inside the kitchen says, uh, Mendel, we just redid the kitchen, you know, not so fast, you know. <laughs> maybe that's the minhag of opening the door for Shul Hamasra. The women were running out when the guys were screaming, L'shana Bab Oh, that's what it was? No. By the way, exactly the opposite. You know how I know that? How? I know that because of a discussion we had on the air. I believe that you and I had yes. this on the air. years a ago. A discussion that you and I had on the air about a clay yakar in Parsha Shlach wow. where he credits... The, 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 not just that, but the, I believe he says, um, the, the word chavivin is, is, is in there. He credits the love of the land of Israel that we as Jews have to the mothers of Israel, Absolutely. to the women of Israel. And it's true. We so. see it all the time. A lot of the times, the driving force of couples moving to Israel and seeing the clarity of the vision of the Aliyah plan and concretizing it for the family and transmitting and translating that passion into action it comes from the women. So the joke is just us men covering up the real truth. It's really the men who are giving everybody the trouble, but it's time to move to Aretz. Can I add something yes, right add now? Yes, add whatever you, you wish from fast. We have a couple you, of minutes left. Fine. So I'm just, uh, not that it's filling, but uh, you've been saying, uh, throwing out the word, uh, a celebration of 15 years right. and coming back home right. and the Jewish heroes. And, and we defined even what a Jewish hero is, but right. I would like to take this moment back where it all began at Boca Raton Synagogue, Montoya Circle, right. and to thank you. Thank to me. Th to thank you, not only on behalf of Nefesh Benefesh and our entire beautiful staff, um, not only on behalf of Tony and myself, but uh, for Klai Yisrael as being a Jewish hero. A Jewish hero means that someone who does something extraordinary and someone who does some things that are out of a comfort zone. And you have been an unapologetic unabashed supporter of Zionism, of Tzionut, of the State of Israel, from day one with Hatikva ending of uh, your radio show to today, putting the prominence without any um, apologies of where we should be w as a people, where our, the future of the Jewish people is, um, remembering our past, <laughs> but uh, understanding the present, the present, the matana, the gift of our Jewish people. And you have been an unbelievable friend and an incredible voice. And it's a rarity. It's very unique. And, and we don't take it for granted. And I think everyone who, who walks and breathes living Israel, not just living in Israel, but living Israel, knows that you have been an incredible, vocal, articulate, passionate voice. And without you, 
being an anchor here or that voice here and to resonate our message, it would fall flat. And you have been a, a catalyst and you've been a channel and you've been a uh, facilitator of our voice and, and an amplifier of the voice. And you talk about Jewish heroes, you put yourself out there. You've sacrificed tremendously over these 35 years. We know that. Um, you could have done anything else in life, <laughs> but you've done this for 35 years and you have been an incredible voice for the Jewish people. And I thank you for being a Jewish hero. In, in I'm, not, I'm not a person, I don't think I'm, I'm at the caliber of dishing out Jewish hero to you, Jewish hero, but uh, uh, from my prism, I thank you very much. Well, I thank you for that. I'll blame my parents who uh, made sure to have an environment where we knew the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel and where, uh, and where uh, Israel-centric conversation dominated the house. Uh, which is uh, something I could recommend to other people out there. You know, try your hardest to keep Israel at the forefront in the conversation in your own home. And the other thing I'll say is, and you know, again, that uh, you know, people might think that I'm just, um, you know, letting this go by uh, without proper uh, uh, recognition. And I do recognize, and I thank you for what you've said. But the the truth is that um, other people, other people, sometimes make us look good. And the reality is that I think that we don't have enough vocal voices when it comes to Israel. We don't have enough people who are willing to take a stand, certainly not in North America. And uh, we'll continue to do this. And I hope, I hope there'll be others who will emulate what we've been able to do here and really give a very positive message on a regular basis about Israel and the future of the Jewish people there. So that's what I will say. Thank you, Rabbi Fess. Thank you Thank so you very much. much. Great celebrating with you. Often, I, I said that uh, very often <laughs> when we're together. Uh, it's sort of like a one and done. You know, we see each other at the airport in Israel, and then it's on to uh, a few months uh, being away from each other. This experience, having been together last night, plus this program, and of course another one coming up tomorrow morning, is a unique experience. It's like spending an entire week with you, which is and such then, and then we're going camping on Thursday. <laughs> is that what's happening? Yeah, no one told me about that part. <laughs> um, we'll start to wrap things up, and I remind you that the Nahum Single Network has great programming all day long. You are going to hear our conversation. Speaking of Israel. Yoel Rosby joined us recently, as you'll recall. He is the JNF liaison to uh, Ammunition Hill. Uh, he'll be part of JM Rewind coming up next. Plus, a very special musical conversation that we had last week, which you'll recall during our live lunch about the reunion years ago of the Diaspora Yeshiva Band. That also made it into JM Rewind um, for, uh, for today. And uh, also the uh, conversation we had with Batya Jacob regarding North American Inclusion Month that is part of that hour as well between 9 and 10 this morning. I also want to take this opportunity as I just saw so many wonderful rabbis from Yeshiva University to uh, Bush Mazel Tov on Sunday, March the 19th. The Chag Smicha Convocation is taking place at Yeshiva University. We wish Mazel Tov uh, to the organization, to the university, and of course to all the Musmachim. And I remember when you were honored by Yeshiva University, when you were given an honorary degree, which was to talk about, uh, you know, again, the term Jewish heroes, whatever you want to say in terms of Jewish leaders, uh, that was wonderful. I thought that was an incredible recognition and a wonderful way to pay tribute. And do you know who, and I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, do you know who received, quote unquote, and you'll see in a minute why I say it like that, do you know who received the, the, um, the uh, what's the word, honorary degree? the year I graduated Yeshiva University, you know who received, again, quote, unquote, the honorary degree the year I graduated from Yeshiva University? Not Han Sharansky. In absentia. Avital came. There was a massive photo of him at the front of the graduation ceremony. This is obviously the early 80s, before his release in 1986. And she accepted on his behalf, in absentia, uh, the... the, uh, the um, 
honorary doctorate, honorary degree, and I'll never forget that. Talking about coming full circle as we opened our program this morning with Natan Sharansky. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. And as we have done every morning for the last 35 years, we close with Hatikva. How else would we close a show that concentrates on Israel and the future of the Jewish world? Uh, Mazel Tov Nefesh Benefesh, everybody. Mazel Tov Nefesh Benefesh, 15 years. We have another part, part two of this adventure, coming up tomorrow morning between 6 and 9, so make sure you're tuned in. If you missed any of last night's armchair conversation, the video will stay up on our Homepage, NahumSiegel.com, for you to view it, to see it, and to enjoy the conversation we had about the beginnings of Nefesh B'Nefesh right here at Boca Raton Synagogue. Plenty more tomorrow. Special thanks to our entire staff and, of course, the Nefesh B'Nefesh staff. Until tomorrow morning, it's Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.